it was another great weekend in the NFL. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it closely. We're also going to preview the upcoming weekend and some other stuff. But most importantly, we're going to light some money on fire. We're going to do it right now with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I just had an idea. Yo. It's probably a bad idea. I mean, those are the best. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I like bad ideas. <laughs> we need to come up with some arbitrary endpoint where yeah. we compare our best bets of the year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at that time, maybe like six months in or something. Mm-hmm. At that time, whoever has done worse on best bets needs to actually light $100 of their own money on oh fire. Oh, my God. Are and you we'll crazy? Put, we'll put it on video. No. We'll tweet it out. Absolutely not. <laughs> Why not? It'll be so fun. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, but come on. Don't you want to go viral? Uh, I do want to go viral, actually, very much so. Um, well, there'd be a few conditions I would need to, to agree to that. Number one is we'd be starting from now, not from the beginning of the year, oh, since my best bets are doing so poorly. shitty so far. Uh, yeah, you're the guy. Oh, that's, yeah. You, great idea for you just to volunteer no, this really cool idea where I'm getting we can crushed. start for now. I believe yeah. in my fucking magic. Yeah, I have okay. magic. Um, so there's that. Uh, besides... Th- now, also, the thing that's important, though, is there has to be a way to do it. I guess the way you do it is... Um, Based on overall dollars, right, for best bet stuff, because there's prices and stuff like that which yeah. you have to factor in. So yeah, just definitely. Ultimate dollars. That's fair. Um, you have to light a hundred dollars on fire. Yep. That's so brutal, but it is kind of great. I'm open to it. I hate it, but I'm open to it. All right, let's uh, not let's, let's not have a big marketing discussion on. Okay, the air, but I want to let's let's posit this question to the listeners. Okay. Would you be interested in that? Okay. Would you like us to do that? I right. know some of you out there are tweeting at us about this stuff, so yeah. let, let us know. Okay. Would you like us to do that? Oh, God. The answer is, of course, yes. Such a ridiculous thing to do. It's just wasted resource for no reason. It's a great idea. What do you mean, no reason? I mean, yeah, there's a reason. There's an obvious reason. Yeah. Become the most popular sports podcast <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that's reason number one. Yeah, that's fair. That's All right. Fair. Um, speaking of best bets, let's let's uh, let's start off the show by reviewing last week's bets. Okay. See well, how how the money did this this time? We had two bets last uh-huh. week. We bet on the uh, Minnesota Vikings minus. We ended up getting minus two. Uh, when we were talking about it, it was uh, we were saying the line was pick them, but that line was not actually available because I think Yahoo just didn't know what to do, so they said the line was pick them. Um, there was actually no line because Aaron Rodgers' injury was such that no one would book the bet. No one even put up a line until the morning of that game on Sunday when it came out. First, it started with Minnesota minus two and a half, like minus 117. And I almost jumped on it, but I decided to try and wait and see if we could get closer to a pick type of a line. And it did ultimately fall to minus two, minus 100, which is not bad. Uh, if you like the Vikings, which I really did, we decided we really did. Uh, so we bet on that. And we lost, and it was a weird game because the, the Packers were up by a lot. The Packers were up like yeah. 20 to 7 or something like that. But the Vikings had some miracle, crazy comeback things happen in the end of the fourth quarter, including an absolutely absurd call against uh, Clay Matthews oh, that on a was, fourth down. We need to talk about that, but let's talk about that later. Yeah. Um, just, an, just insane, which gave, instead of the game being over, the Vikes got a first and 10, did ultimately score the touchdown, Get the two-point conversion, force overtime. We only needed to win by two. And then they got down and uh, with two seconds left in overtime, attempted a 35-yard field goal, and the kicker had already missed two previous field goals. Missed this one. It wasn't that close. It was wide right. 
and we lost another bet. That's <laughs> another another hundred dollars lit on fire. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. Yep. Uh, so 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 far we've got that bet. We got the Steelers bet, and both of those felt like we really could have won both those bets. Now we really probably should have lost the Vikings bet anyway, but the Steelers bet we in my mind we really should have won, and we're zero and two on those. I feel like we're supposed to like win about half the coin Historically, flips. Historically, like on the podcast, we have won. Zero bets. Oh, but wait, there's another bet. Okay. As well. See, uh, it's easy to, to forget about that, but we also had the, the uh, who was it? The Buccaneers played somebody. Whoops, I'm dropping my phone here. <laughs> the Buccaneers played somebody. Yes, now you're making me forget. I thought you had all this information. I, I didn't have that information. I have the other information. And I have it. I just don't have it right in front of me. I, I'll look at the guy who I made the bet with. It's right here. Um, don't worry about it. Oh, it's the Eagles minus three against the Bucks. Oh, yeah. So that went horribly. We ended up getting Eagles minus three minus 117. Not really a great price. By the way, that fell all the way down to like plus 102, and I was upset about it. <laughs> but uh, And it turns out the people who were all that money coming in on uh, Tampa at the end w- knew what it was doing because, oh, my God, Tampa won easily again. They, it was crazy. And they were also up like 21 to 7, and it was brutal. And that yep. one never came, never really got that close. All right, so for review, <laughs> yeah, of all ahead. bets that have been resolved, we are 0 and 3. Oh, oh, and three on the podcast. We do have a current bet that is going on. This looking good. Yeah, which is the Lions minus seven and a half wins. They're zero and two. They uh, host the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. The Patriots are significant favorites right now, about seven point favorites. It's looking pretty good that they're often going to go zero and three anyway, and they're not looking like a very good team. So yeah. that one may come in and mitigate some of the damage. Hopefully, by the time that is done, we'll be in better shape than we are right now. It's very early. It's important to remember, we've only made three bets that we've yep. lost. And we could have won two of them. We just didn't. This is why Jonathan's going to have to light $100 on fire, because all three bets... None of those count! <laughs> all three bets that... Uh, they don't count, but all three bets have been Jonathan bets that we've lost. Yeah, it's a little weird to say that, though, because you have to sign off on I do bet. have to... Okay, but it's, like, cause, you cause, brought it to the table, and I want to point out that I have the magic, and you don't have the magic, man. I picked. By the way, you also wanted to bet on the Chargers, yeah. and, uh, and they would they would have covered. <laughs> yeah, I, I my my record. But it was a bad bet. My best bets are the Chargers, yep. uh, which would have been good, and the Lions, which were probably going to win. Yes, those are your two. Damn, I'm good. Two biggest. To be clear, bets. Jonathan knows what he's talking about, and I don't. Yeah, but, just just in case you're wondering. But damn, am I good or what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is what happens. Um, I remember actually when I was doing this uh, semi-professionally, we had, me and a, a friend of mine had a six-figure bankroll and we were betting sports. This is many years ago now. And um, we uh, we started off, we were betting baseball. We had this really complicated uh, spreadsheet with all this stuff, the weather, the umpires, you know, who pitched from the bullpen yesterday, all that stuff was factored in. It was really cool. And... Uh, we started off, and I think lost our first 11 baseball bets, which is really hard to do. Yeah. It's like super hard to do. And so we were down, you know, a lot of money because <laughs> we were not betting small amounts. You know, sure. we were betting like $2,000 a game. So we're like 22K like in the first like week. Cool. It Sounds was like, fun. Geez, are we just awful at this Tough now to suddenly? Sleep for a couple days there. Um, but then we won seven in a row. And by the end of the year, we were fine. You know, and, you know, it's like, Process, man. It's all process. I'm just saying, I have <laughs> it. <laughs> that you know? magical X factor. Let's see if it continues. Let's see if I if, know. I'm let's excited. See if you got to light $100 on fire, if I do. Yeah. Um, um, well, well, actually, we're gonna change up the format a little bit, and we're gonna talk about our best bets later on. That's true. We're gonna do we're that. Gonna save that for a bit later. What else are we gonna talk about today, Jonathan? Well, we got lots of cool stuff in the Hopper Grant. And here's what they are. Number one, we're going to just sort of talk about what happened last week in the NFL. Okay. Because there's some newsy stuff 
for sure. We're going to do a new segment. We're going to debut a new segment called Fantasy Check-In. Yeah, we didn't want to make a fantasy football podcast no. because... Honestly, it feels like with fantasy football, there's a lot of people just talking bullshit, and we didn't want to add ourselves to that. That's break. what we'd be doing. Yeah, yeah so, so we're, we're just not gonna, really doing But that. we know that a lot of you uh, people like fantasy football and want to talk about it, and we do too. So we, we have our thoughts and opinions. And yeah. They so, probably are not that meaningful, but they're still fun to talk about. No, well, there's, there's some very obvious newsy things that have happened, either in terms of performances or something like that, that are relevant to talk about in terms of not just the NFL, but also fantasy football. And I yeah. think if you're a fan of either one, you would care about these conversations. So we're going to have that. We're going to do another NBA over-unders division this time. We're going to do the Northwest division. Northwest, that might be the most interesting division. Every team is good in the yeah. Northwest. I was, I was looking it over last season. Every division had one team that won, that had at least one team that was in the 20s in terms of wins. And the Northwest Division, the worst team won 46 games, which is completely absurd. Yeah. That was Denver, I believe, who didn't make the playoffs even. I mean, geez. Um, so we're going to do that. And then we are finally going to get to our uh, best bets, survivor pool picks, and the like. All right. So that's the format of the show. That's what we're doing. Let's kick it off. I want to be clear about the fantasy football thing for a second. I okay. said maybe our opinions aren't that meaningful. And I say that because I don't think anybody's really are, and except for like injury experts. They might know something yeah. that, that we don't. But to be clear, Jonathan and I are in two fantasy football leagues together, have been for five or six years, and I'm pretty sure we're the two biggest winners in those leagues. So we, we know a little bit about what we're talking about. I mean, about. that's like saying I really crushed my home game. No, I know. know. I know. But I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're both good fantasy football players for sure. Like, we both make money. I mean, I play in many, many leagues. Yeah, Jonathan plays know. more than I do. Um, like, I've had multiple years where I play like a nine, ten leagues, stuff like that, and for reasonable buy-ins anyway. But, uh, but this is, but we're not. It's not going to be so much about a fantasy football thing. It's going to be more like, for example, Josh Gordon's going to the Patriots. What does that mean? Oh my God, Pat Mahomes. Where does he rank now? You know, like yeah. that stuff we want to talk about anyway. We're just doing it under the the auspices of fantasy football. Um, but we're not doing that yet. First, we're going to do a little last week re review, bro. Okay. Well, two big things. Go ahead. You got something? You look like you got something. Speak. Well, I, I mean, the Bears. I just want to talk about Oh, the sure. Bears. Go ahead. I'm a Bears fan. They're 2-0. Oh. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a couple fellow Bears fans out there listening, and you know what I'm feeling because you're feeling it too. It's called hope, and it, it feels kind of bad. I don't it like does? it. I don't like it. I'm used to not having any hope. Are you, and you're just, you don't mean this. You're just bullshitting though, right? No, I, this is like a comedy routine. This like, I don't like hope and I don't want to feel I remember I was watching the game last night because we're recording on Tuesday with my wife. Yeah. And the Bears went and stopped the Seahawks on the first drive, got pinned at the four, and then they drove 96 yards to score a touchdown. And it felt like the defense was awesome and that the offense was competent. And it was hope for the first time. And I turned to my wife and I said, I don't know if I like this feeling because now I have somewhere to fall. Now you can be hurt. <laughs> yeah. Now, instead of just like, ah, we have no, no chance at all. Who, who cares? And now, it, now it's just like, well, now I think there's like a tiny chance things can go well here and uh, it can hurt, you know? I'm scared of being three and one and, and losing. I mean, that is just an infuriating thing to hear. Infuriating. Like, get it together, man. Infuriating. Yeah, You're so together. spoiled. You are a Boston sports fan. You are so crazy spoiled right now. Yeah. And you have been in the NFL for 15 years. Pay attention to what someone who's used to a winner does. We don't mind winning. We're not afraid of nope, winning. We're not afraid. No. no, no, let me finish. This is fucking privilege we're not if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> we're not afraid of believing in something. We're not afraid of good things happening. You're like, oh, I don't want to be three and one. You know what? 
stop being an NFL fan. I'm if you don't just be saying there's, a, there's an inkling of fear now, whereas before nothing could hurt me. I was bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't like that either. You say you were bulletproof, but the truth is you were not happy watching the Bears. You didn't feel good. No, you were actually, all, you were all miserable about it. For the it. last four or five years, the only reason I ever really want to watch football is because of fantasy football. Right. So, but now I have a reason. Exactly. Yeah, so what are you talking are, about? Yeah. So like you hated, you didn't like, you know, the Bears were something to complain about, and now you may not be able to complain. Yeah, you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, and let me let me clear that I'm up. Not? You're not going to win the Super Bowl oh, this year. Man. It's not happening. Okay? For real? Yeah, you're not going to win. That sucks. Um, but your team has got a real chance to make the playoffs, and it's got a real chance to have a winning record, and is at least, as you said, very good defense, competent offense, and promising for the future. How promising? I don't know. I mean, as I was saying to you before we started uh, recording. There are a lot of really good quarterbacks in that draft. And, you know, it's too early to judge. You got Trubisky. It's too early to judge. Mahomes is so good. It's too early to judge. Mahomes. (laughs) It's too early to judge. (laughs) Anyway. Trubisky is the troob. Yeah. I mean, he looks all right. The troob troob. He looks looks at least okay. Uh, You know, he doesn't look like some of those other guys yet, but it's still early. You're right. It's very early. Although second year is often when quarterbacks really show their. It's been two games. Carson Wentz. It's been two games. I'm just saying, Carson Wentz. So, uh, so that happened. Hey, speaking of young quarterbacks, I wanted to ask you about this. So San Francisco is, I believe, one and one. Yes. They are uh, helmed by Jimmy Garoppolo. And I've been wondering, is Jimmy Garoppolo really Garoppa great or not? Because... Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I actually wrote that down. You wrote that I down? I wrote Garoppolo, not Gar- Garoppa great, question mark. Not so Garoppa great. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so far through the season, there he has three touchdowns and three interceptions. I know last year he started off like a house of fire. Um, I think they went 6-0 and in the games he played. Five, I think. Okay, whatever it was. He looked pretty good doing so, although his numbers weren't amazing, but they were pretty strong. Um, he already played the Vikings in Minnesota and lost, so I don't know if it's that fair to go to come too hard after him, but he doesn't look like he necessarily has the magic touch either, you know? But is it, is it just too early to worry about this stuff? Yes. Or is it easy to say, eh, Maybe not so Jimmy Garoppolo. It's too early. Okay. I mean, the, the Vikings, that's a tough one. That's a really tough that's one. That's a tough one. No question. They barely beat the Detroit Lions. I just yeah, like to who, say. I mean, the but Lions... But they scored 30 points. The Lions came off looking terrible against the Jets, but maybe they had vengeance in their hearts? Well, maybe. I mean, the Jets claim they knew every play the Lions were going to run. By the way, really making it hard to win in Survivor if you took the Lions like we encouraged you to. If the, if the other team knows every single play you're going to run yeah. before you do it. Um, also, I don't know why the Jets would ever say that out loud once you do it. It's like, are you Billy Bean? Are you having interviews with Michael Lewis right now? Are you just going to give away all your competitive advantage? Because <laughs> that's what Billy Bean did, and good job. Now the, now the A's aren't that good. You know, the A's could be way better than they are and for the last yeah, 15 along years. Along with rejecting a $12 million a year offer from, from the Boston Red Sox, Billy Bean also gave away his competitive advantage. I mean, it's, you should do one or the other, right? You should yeah. take the money or keep the competitive advantage. Yeah. But he's like, I want all the glory and none of the money and none of the winning. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. So he did it. He did. I mean, everyone thought, oh, that guy's really smart. Yeah. Nice job. He does come off very impressive. They made a movie about him. Brad Pitt got to play him. That's pretty cool. But your job is to win baseball games, right? What are you doing? Well, the Jets' job is not to win football games. It's to give New Yorkers a reason to yell. That is the purpose of the Jets. I mean, Jets, right, Jets fans right now are saying, I feel hope for the first time. Sam Darnold, I don't even know. We're one and one. It's possible, but I'm scared to be three and one. That's what they're saying. Who does that remind you of? You're a real piece of shit sometimes. <laughs> 
I'm just calling it like I see it, bro. Well, you see it through the lens of a murderer mm. or some something like that. You always go to murder. So anyway, um, so yeah, it's definitely too early to I agree with you about Garoppolo, but I will say I was wondering if he was just gonna start off great and it's gonna be like, wow, this guy's like for real. And that really hasn't happened. Conversely, and, is it yeah. too early on Mahomes? Well, um, it might be. It probably is a little too early, but it can't be that early because he threw 10 touchdowns in the first two games of the season. Two of them were little flips, though. Okay. No one's ever done that. Yeah. Out of all the guys ever. Yep. I don't care if two of them were flips. The other eight weren't, and they were legit, too. It wasn't like they were, like they were you know, little screen passes. Like A lot of them are like down the field, really impressive stuff. He is... Now, this is not a complete detraction from him, but the volume of touchdowns is certainly aided by them having one of the worst defenses in the league, where they're always going to be chasing points and throwing deep. That may be so. At the same point, he's not throwing very many passes either on True. that team. Like well, so far, he's averaging that, like a touchdown every like six throws or something. Well, of course, like that's that. due for some serious statistical of regression. Course, of course it is. But I'm just saying like normally that would be more meaningful if you're like you're going to throw a lot of passes because you're down all the time. Right. But he's not throwing a lot of passes. They're just all touchdowns. It's crazy. By the way, they were crushing Pittsburgh the entire game. They were way up on Pittsburgh. It wasn't like they were down. And he had to come back. It's hard to know if the Chiefs are any good because their defense is so bad, but their offense is so good. I mean, if their offense is anything close to actually this, and I don't know that it can really be close to this. We'll see, I guess. But if it is somehow close to this, then their defense doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be barely, barely below adequate. You know, they can still win 10 games. Here's a sports betting related question. Okay. This is a sports betting show. Let's do it. What percentage of the week's... Uh, assuming that, like, if you were to set the line for each week starting now, what percentage of the weeks do you think you would set the Chiefs game as the highest over-under score? Oh, that's a good question. I think there's a few teams which would be in play for that. The Steelers would be in play for that as well. Um, okay. Yeah, because they have a bad defense, good offense. Yeah. And, like, real, as I like to say, a high-tech offense, man. Yeah. And, in fact, when they play the Chiefs, those two teams scored just some outrageous amount of points, yeah. right? Those may have been the two highest quarterback fantasy football scores of the uh, year so far. Um, I would say over under Chiefs rest of season, we got 14 more games. I would say something like, it can't be that much, right? Three and a half? Three and a half of the games are going to be the highest over under? Yeah. I feel like it's going to be more than that. I don't know. Really? Just because their offense is so crazy and their defense is so bad. <laughs> it does seem to be that. Now, part of this, though, is implying or that Pat Mahomes will maintain this, yes. right? So if he can't, if he isn't what he seems to be, then, it's, you know. It's not just him, though. It's also systemic, and it's also the weapons that he has, obviously. Yeah, okay. I mean, he has pretty good weapons. You're right. You're right. I mean, Tyree Kill is a recipe for high-scoring games. Yep. Kelsey's pretty solid. They have Sammy Watkins and spent a lot of money on him. I mean, he's the only guy who hasn't caught a touchdown, like, on the whole team, but okay. Right. But he had a reasonable game last game. Sure. Um, Kareem Hunt's at least pretty good. Yeah. Right. Okay, sure. I don't know. Kelsey's a, Kelsey's a man. <laughs> That's a man right there. <laughs> He's a man. All right, so if, if you were to guess, yeah, how many touchdowns does Patrick Mahomes throw this year, assuming he's healthy? Okay, he's already got 10. Yeah. What's the record? It's like 50-something, 50 55? 55, yeah. For Brady. Is it Brady? Isn't it Manning? Manning has it, doesn't he? he? Manning had it. Brady broke it. Really? Yep. 
Wow. You should know I that. Put that out of my head. Of all people. There's too sh- many records to keep track of with Brady. Oh, really? The one that's one of the more prestigious records in the NFL that is held by your favorite boy. I'm sorry. I'm busy keeping track of all the rings on his freaking fingers, bro. Whatever. Like I said. When Eight we were, Super Bowls, five rings. You know what I'm here's saying? Here's my thing about Tom Brady. Okay. And I said this when we were watching football a week ago. Oh, so that means it's real. This sorry, is true. Ahead. This okay. is true. This is a, actually a true fact. <laughs> Tom Brady looks like his mom cuts his hair. That's a true fact. <laughs> I don't know why you're picking on that. It seems like a strange thing to bring up. Am I wrong? I mean, it's not something I would ever think about. And well, now you're thinking about it. Of course you're wrong. No, it looks like his mom cuts his hair. He's married to one of the, one of the most, you know, highest fashion maybe models she in the watches, world. Maybe she watches while his mom cuts his hair. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys and your Tom Brady hate is so pathetic. All you people out there. Oh, he's, there's other reasons. I'm not going to get into them, but there are other reasons. Oh, yeah. And you know that's true. But, that's, but you hated him before the other reasons. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. That, that's the hate I'm talking about. I'm not talking about any politics stuff. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the normal, I can't stand it when someone's really good and my team isn't hate. All you people get it together, no, by the way. No, he seems like a douche. He's got a douche vibe. Come on. He's no, he a doesn't. douche whose mom cuts his hair. Yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is like that frat boy stuff that nobody likes. That's what you're doing right no, now. No, he... He's one of those guys who pulls his pants all the way down at the urinal. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I really don't know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna move on. That's my move. My move is to just roll on because that's a really. You might as well comment. just light your hundred dollars on fire right now. My takes are hot. So we already talked about Pat Mahomes. And we're gonna sort of roll into our fantasy check-in spot. We're just gonna oh, talk about fantasy, a few other players. Fantasy check-in time. Fantasy check-in. Ding dong. Yeah, where's the drop for that? We're gonna have one. Fantasy check-in. Like that's that. not bad. Thanks. Um, okay. It's f- 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 fantasy check It sort of comes. So, so there's two quarterbacks who are really standing out here um, early on. It's sort of as surprises. Mahomes is one. Yeah. But the bigger surprise so far has got to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah. He's done this or a version of this before, though. Probably not. Not this. Not, but yes. not quite this. But he's had stretches where it's like, wow, that guy is good. Just to, for our uh, listeners who don't have that kind of memory or the time to look it up. So... Back in the day, really long, long time ago, he was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. They started off, I believe, either 5-0 and or 6-0. and 5-0, and including a huge upset win over the Patriots. I remember that game. They imme- then they signed him to a big deal, like a six-year, at the time, you know, $36 million deal, which was huge at the time, you know, something yeah. like that. And uh, he immediately, like, from the moment pen hit paper, was never the same and just terrible. Pulled a Hainsworth? It was really strange. So he was then bad. I think he was out of Buffalo, I think, by the next season because he was so bad. Like, they immediately just got rid of him because he was awful. Then he bounced around the league as a backup for the most part until he was on the Jets a few years ago and had another strong season with the Jets and parlayed that into a nice contract and then immediately was terrible again because this is what he does. But this, and to be clear, this is two four-touchdown games in a row to start the season, and they are not little, as we're saying, shovel passes. These are like, he's got, in the last game, he had two 75-yard completions, and they're bombs to like O.J. Howard and Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, these are big throws. Is it possible that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to stay, maybe not this good, but really good for the rest of the year and maybe for the next few years. I think it's it's possible. possible. I think Jameis Winston might find himself on a different team next year if that's the case. Um, Deshaun Jackson came out today and said uh, Fitzpatrick has to continue to be our quarterback, which is a big thing to say. I mean, it's going to be really tough for them to start Jameis unless Fitzpatrick completely shits the bed in week three. 
Well, I mean, what what is our what's what does he have to do to maintain to to lose the job? To lose the job? What does he have to do? I think he's got to get throw at least three interceptions, lose the game, and two or fewer touchdowns. I think losing the game is a big part of it. Um, if he throws, let's say he throws, they they lose badly, and he throws one interception, but he throws for like 150 yards, and they lose like 40 to seven or something like that. I think he keeps the job. They might give it. They might let him do it for another week yeah. or two, just in case, right? Yeah, it's like just too good. Yeah, he has it's to, really he, hard for him to lose the he job. He has right to now. actively fuck up multiple times during the game. This is crazy. Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick, and it wasn't that long ago. He might be on another team. Yeah, of course. This is what's gonna happen. I mean, here's here's what's gonna happen. Right? So is Jamarcus Russell though. That's true. Uh, but Jamar- but Jameis Winston's at least an okay quarterback, right? He's had some flashes of being quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about him in his long term future in the NFL in terms from a playing point of view, right? Like skill point of view. I mean, maybe he won't be great, but he'll be at least fine. He'll be a starter, I, th- I would expect, somewhere. But here's what's going to happen, right? Fitzpatrick, okay, one, I predict Fitzpatrick will hold on to the job at least through most of the season, if not the whole season. Two, the Bucks are going to sign him to a deal because they're going to feel like they have to. How old is he now? He must be 34, 35. I think he's 34, but it makes me want to look it up. It's going to take a little while to look it up, so we'll have to... Quarterbacks play forever these days. They do. Brady's 41, and it's not weird to be, have a, be like a 36-year-old quarterback. Breeze yeah. is like 39. Yeah, right? he's almost 40. He might be turning 40 this year. Um, yeah, he might be. Like even Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, those guys are pretty old now, you know? Yeah, all those guys. Roethlisberger. I mean, all those guys are like, I mean, we're about to have a big turnover in quarterbacks over the next three years or something, right? Like, yeah. those guys cannot continue to stick around. I mean, I think. I think. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so Ryan Fitzpatrick is 35. He's turning 36 in November. So he could, you know, play for another three years in theory. I, he's going to sign a three-year deal for like $60 million and never be good again. That's yeah. what's going to happen for sure. Yeah. Jameis I mean, Winston's going to go to some other team. Who needs a quarterback? Buffalo. No, I guess not Buffalo. They got someone who doesn't have a young quarterback, but in somewhere in the middle, maybe Miami. Ooh, Miami. That's perfect. He used to play in Miami and for, for Florida. Depends State. on how Tannehill goes this year. Yeah, I'm assuming Tannehill's not going to be a guy they're going to want to continue to invest in. And they're just going to pick up Jameis cheap, and he's going to be their starter. Maybe. That's my prediction. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, I can imagine Fitzpatrick sticking around, even as a starter, for, for a couple more years in the NFL. Like... As a counterpoint, look at Josh McCown, who is definitely worse than Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. and is older than him and just keeps signing deals and being in the NFL. Yeah. The Bears picked him up at age like 31 off of being a high school coach, and he had an incredible five games, and he's ridden that to, I don't know, six or seven years of, of NFL salaries. Yeah. No, I mean, and Fitzpatrick obviously is capable of, I mean, that guy should be in the league, clearly. He just thrown eight touchdowns in the last two games, and they're legit touchdowns. I mean, yeah. he's at least a reasonable guy who should maybe either be starting on one of the worst teams in the league or backing up, you know, or be one of the best backups in the league. The problem is he keeps sort of like falling into these starter jobs where then he can't seem to live up to I feel to like it. he would be a great starter for a team like Jacksonville. Yeah. Where like their defense is amazing. Absolutely. And he, he's like a perfectly fine quarterback who's not going to screw up too much. Right. Like, but he's got a little higher upside than a Bortles does yeah. at this point. Cool. All right. Um, so other things that have happened, the big, the big news that just happened is the Patriots traded for Josh Gordon. This is the most interesting news. So Josh Gordon was, things seemed to be going fine. He caught a touchdown in week one. And then on Saturday, he showed up to the Cleveland Browns facility with a pulled hamstring and said he pulled it the night before during an ad shoot. He had practiced on Friday and was fine. 
And apparently there's more to the story than this that we are not being told. That's what I hear. There's got to be. From the Cleveland Beat reporter, actually, for ESPN was saying. There's more to the story, but people aren't telling her. And But there's a huge trust thing, and apparently they just don't believe him and trust him anymore. And apparently the ad shoot was like at 11 p.m. at night also, and they just don't buy it or something. I don't know. There, there's got to be some sobriety questions, too, at this point, I would think. There have to be, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like those... Nobody's come out and said he's been visibly intoxicated no. or anything like that. No. And, and that's something that's very difficult to hide. I think I don't think he'd be able to get away with that. I know? agree. So, But, but I, there was sort of a weird thing going around sort of NBA Twitter, or sorry, NFL Twitter, about like they were sort of questioning his sobriety as opposed to saying he does, he's not sober, but more like where he is overall as opposed to like he's not, he's not showing up drunk, but apparently they're, they're wondering if he's drinking. I think is what's going on or something or smoking. I don't even know. Um, it's a weird spot, right? So the Browns have kept this guy on the roster for five years without him producing. Yep. And they turn him into a fifth round pick. If he plays 10 games for the Patriots, if he doesn't, it's a, they have to give back a seventh round pick as well. And that's it. This guy was in 2013, the best receiver in the league, the best receiver in the league, you, better than Calvin Johnson, 1600 yards and a whole bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. And unbelievable, and didn't really play the first four weeks of the season because no one knew who he was. And then he broke out like a god. He was a football god. He was. So where does he stand now? He's joining the Patriots. There's, I mean, there's different ways this could go, right? One way is he just might wash out and be terrible. There is such an incredibly wide range of outcomes for this. Right. What's, the, what's the top-end outcomes, and how likely are they? Let's start with that. Top-end outcome is absolutely that he's the best receiver in the league this year. Yeah. That, that, that is the, the 99th percentile outcome. How likely is some that or something close to it where he's like a top seven receiver or something where he's a clear like fantasy first round pick next year and the whole thing like what uh, I would I would give that about 10 percent. I mean, that's a pretty good deal for the Patriots if there's a 10 percent chance of that happening. That's I mean, that's just right? my number. No, it's not. It's not crazy. I'm not saying it's a crazy thing. I'm just saying like, wow, he's never had a good quarterback. Nope. Now he's got Belichick and Brady. Yep. Look what happened when Randy Moss went there. I remember it quite well. He's got Gronk drawing a bunch of coverage. He's going to have Edelman back in a few weeks, too, which is nice for him. I mean, he could be a fucking monster. He could have the greatest season in receiver history with this setup. Like, it's doable. I mean, he won't be able to do it this year, right? Because he's going to have missed... Two games. A few games, yeah, Yeah. ultimately. But um, although they're saying he might be ready to go Sunday night, we'll see. He won't be able to do very much. Like, he's not going to know any of the plays yet. So it's going to be like... Run straight. It's fine. He's so fast and so athletic. I mean, it's not out of the question against the Lions this week. If he starts and plays a reasonable amount of snaps that he has like seven targets, catches six of them and has two 80 yard touchdowns in there. I mean, it's not out of the question. It's possible. He might just blow by guys and that'll be that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool as a Patriots fan. Yeah. I'm sure you're pretty excited about it. So that's the top end outcome. And I, I truly believe that there is a possibility where it's like this guy is the most talented receiver in the NFL. And right. So about 10% is he's like a first round pick next year. Yeah. Or should be a first round pick next year. Okay. How about justifies his, his draft status this year in, in fantasy, which is like he's going to like run, run the fifth round or something. So are we on the fantasy thing? We are on the Yeah, fantasy. we're doing fantasy yeah. check in. That's why, that's why I'm bringing yeah. it back to fantasy a little bit. He was like a fourth or fifth rounder. Yeah. Justifies that status. How, yeah. What percentage of the time does he justify that? That's an interesting question because I think his outcomes, although the range is wide, I feel like they're relatively binary. Like, there's mm. not a ton of middle swath outcomes. So yeah, I don't think fair. there's many times where at the end of the year you say, he was worth exactly a fourth-round pick, you know? Yeah. You either say, like, wow, what a steal, or, well, that was a wasted pick. Yeah, that sounds like, about right. 
So, so maybe it's like 85% of the time he doesn't justify it. Yeah. But the 15% of the time he does, almost always it's like, wow. You like win your league a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. And the Patriots maybe become the best team in football again or something yeah. like that. Or Tom Brady throws another 50 touchdowns. Right. Like yeah. everything comes together for them. And everyone is everyone eats on the Patriots now. It's like Gronk, like they just can't double cover Gronk that much anymore. And no. Chris Hogan is running free constantly because what are they going to do about that guy? And Edelman, who's they can't really cover anyway. And James White is like underneath everything. I mean, like, they should never run the ball again, right? Yeah. They should just throw the ball every, every just, just line be up a shotgun. The shotgun with James White next to Brady and seriously, yeah. that is reasonable. That'd be cool, man. Those those numbers would be outrageous. Yeah, but I th- we should talk about the low end outcome. Okay, I think the the one percent, the first percentile outcome is he just doesn't play a game this year. I mean, like, there's and, no more, and ends up dead. Well, okay, let's forget about that for oh. a second. Let's talk about from a football perspective purely. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I think I think there is a, a distinct possibility, probably higher than ten percent, that he doesn't suit up again this year. Um, okay, well, they done. Just to be clear, from an injury point of view, I know that's not necessarily what you're referring to. He is apparently healthy enough. He did an MRI and nothing showed up on it. So this hamstring thing was very minor, right? Like which is kind of worrying me. What like yeah, like you were talking about with the Browns beat reporter. There's some pieces of this story that For are missing. Sure. And like you said, it's not like the Browns just all of a sudden were like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this guy. Like they have made sure to hold on to him since 2013. Well, and there is at least a school of thought. I don't know if it's reasonable or fair, but there's a school of thought which says people, because people are like, why would you trade him for only a fifth round pick? Like, wait a little bit. Let him build up value at least. Like, you got to be able to get more than that. Like, what's even the point? But apparently, and again, this was the beat reporter on ESPN yesterday, was implying this without really saying it, that it's possible they were trying to get rid of him as fast as possible because they're concerned more stuff is going to come out which is going to make him untradeable. And if that's true, then yeah. Then maybe we're closer, maybe it's a lot bigger than 1% that he doesn't play. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's the first percentile outcome. It's not 1%. Oh, sorry. So I, I think that right. probably happens a quarter of the time. I mean, I think, he, I think he suits up and plays way more than 75% of the time. I think that's like at least 90% of the time, 95% okay. of the time. I think he's uh, like under 20 catches for the year a quarter of the time. Okay. That seems reasonable. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get cut by the Patriots, you know, yeah. at some point during the season, at least a quarter of the time, I think, for sure, which sort of goes in line with what you're saying, right? That's sort of the same thing. Um, if he doesn't get cut, he's almost certainly going to get more than 20 catches. By the way, he, he's owed $790,000 this year and next year. So it's basically free. It is unbelievable. If, if, he, if he hits that, you know, that top-end outcome, they have maybe the best receiver in the league at the cheapest price. He'll be the best value in the league by a mile. Yep. So that'd be kind of cool. That will be cool. Um, let's pivot quickly. Yeah. Uh, this is fantasy relevant because people drafted this player. But the player that the Patriots dropped in order to make room for Josh oh, Gordon, yeah. Corey Coleman. Yeah. What the hell happened? So he was drafted in fantasy this year. People might have taken him in like the last or second or last round mm-hmm. because of his pedigree. He was a first round draft pick in the NFL draft sure. just two years ago. Yeah. And he's been on three teams in a month and washed out every time. Yeah. What is wrong with this guy? Um, I mean, he's no good. I guess it's got to be the answer, right? Doesn't that just have to be the answer? Like yeah. the Bills had him and let him go for nothing. The I Patriots feel like that doesn't happen with first round receivers that often. No, I agree. Not this quickly. Almost never does it happen. I mean, there's another quickly. player on the Patriots who might fit the bill, but he's still on the team. Philip Dorsett, who was a first round receiver, true. who's been disappointing. But he's been around longer Four at years least. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. But you're right. He has not. He has been more of a disappointment. Uh, 
But the fact is, like, the Patriots dropped Corey Coleman, not Philip Dorsett, right? When they had both of them. Yeah. They're like, oh, oh yeah, Philip Dorsett's way better than you, Corey Coleman. And the Patriots also had Corey Coleman and said, well, this doesn't solve our problem. Let's trade for Josh Gordon. You know? Yeah. Now, trading for Josh Gordon, you might do even if Corey Coleman did solve a problem. I think it's a shot you yeah. need to take. I agree. But um, but still, it's a little weird. By the way, Corey Coleman kind of got hurt a few times with by Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon comes back to Cleveland, finally comes back to training camp. Yeah. They trade him. He joins Buffalo. They cut him. He joins the Patriots. They trade for Josh Gordon. He gets cut again. Like, let's but, let's talk about what you just quickly washed over, though. Yeah. The Bills cut him. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck do the Bills have? They have Kelvin Benjamin and... I right. don't. I don't know who else. And this is clearly an indictment of Coleman because three teams have decided to drop him yeah. this month. It's not just like, oh, the Bills are incompetent, which they might be. Well, yeah, but but that is not that's not where we're at with this. Like when the Patriots are dropping receivers and the Patriots are desperate for receiving right now, especially over while well, Edelman's still out for a few weeks, it's really uh, it really says something that this guy can't have a future in the league. Yeah, I guess so. So sorry, sucker. Hey, one last thing, fantasy wise, and also just NFL wise. So. I would say the biggest running back disappointment so far through the first two weeks of the season is David Johnson. I I think he's definitely in the running for that. Uh, who else are you thinking? Le'Veon Bell. Oh, <laughs> that's fair, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, for, of guys who are playing. You're totally right. Le'Veon is bringing exactly zero. Although with Le'Veon, at least maybe you took a handcuff in James Conner. Maybe you got some other guys because you by now, you, you know you're not, you know, you put a replacement player in there at least. Um, David Johnson... Has he scored a touchdown this year? I don't. He had think a receiving so. touchdown in the first game. Oh, did I think. he? Okay. What about so, Derrick Henry? Oh, Derrick Henry's been bad, but you know, David Johnson was going like third in drafts. Yeah. And Derrick Henry's going in the fourth and fourth round in drafts. Third so. round. Third and fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but David Johnson last week, thirteen rushes for forty-eight yards and one reception for three yards. So now that's not just about him, of course. Yeah. Sam Bradford is having about as bad. I mean. Like gonna, Sam Bradford and Ryan Fitzpatrick, I would have said Bradford's more likely to have a good year, but yeah. that's clearly not. They're going to put Rosen in soon. I think. Oh yeah, like probably right away. Yeah. Right? So I guess the question is, if we're doing a fantasy draft today, where you take it? Where do you think David Johnson should go? Okay, fantasy draft today, and call it a PPR draft, half PPR, something, including like that. the Le'Veon Bell, yeah, injury, yeah, or not all injury. that, all that stuff. Yeah, factor in everything. We're doing it from this rest of the season forward. All right. Where are you taking? He's definitely David going before Le'Veon. I know that. So let's just do it in who goes before him now. Okay. Uh, Todd Gurley goes before him. Obviously. Of course. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott goes before him. Yep. Antonio Brown goes before him for sure. I think now Melvin Gordon goes before him. I think that's. I think for sure. Now true. Alvin Kamara goes before him. Has to. Saquon Barkley probably goes before him. Yes. That's good. Uh, Julio? I would definitely take Julio ahead of him right now, personally. Uh, Michael Thomas definitely goes before yes. him. Yes. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins? I feel like that one's probably a yes. Um, yeah, he was going in the first round anyway. I think, I think so. Any other receivers go before him now? That is a very good question. I am thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up the ADP for, uh, if I can. Nope, not able to do that very successfully. Oh, well. Um, any other receivers who'd go before him? Odell? Yeah, I would take. I mean, to me, anyone in the first round has to go ahead of him now, pretty much. Who's like reasonably in the first round? Except Fournette. for except for Le'Veon. And Fournette, because Fournette's hurt. Yeah, I don't think you'd take Fournette in Fournette. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And you can't take Devontae. You can't even consider taking Devontae Freeman because he's hurt also. What about Dalvin Cook? He just got hurt. Otherwise, I think it's an easy yes. I, I don't think it's an easy yes. Really? I think that's an overreaction at that point when you're taking Dalvin Cook ahead of David Johnson. I mean, 
What did David Johnson do in week one? He had something like 16 fantasy points. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, because he had a receiving touchdown and some receiving yards. Okay, let's see. Let's see if I can call up his game log here. So in week one, he did not rush successfully either time, but uh, he ran nine for 37, and he actually had a rushing touchdown and had nine targets but five receptions for 30 yards. So he had 67 yards total in week one and 51 yards total in week two and one touchdown total and a total of six receptions. Yeah, but that week one you'll definitely take in fantasy. It's pretty good. Um, 67 and a touchdown and five receptions. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. It's not, I mean, it's not first-round pick material. If you got that every week, that's definitely first-round pick material. 15 points. I mean, it's not top five material. It's like... Well, we didn't have him in the top five. I'm saying, but I'm saying, yeah. Like, if, if you got that every week, you'd take that, like, at the 12th pick and not love it, but survive, right? Yeah. I, I, I just think his upside is a lot higher than Dalvin Cook's, and I'd still take him over Dalvin Cook. Mm. You just love David Johnson. I did all this just so that way I was trying to get you to... Shit on David Johnson. You just I refuse just, to I do just it. I just put a ton of players in you front just of him. Won't do it. Eh, you didn't put nearly enough. What about Gronk? I don't think you can put Gronk in front of David Johnson. Put him in front of him. No, he had yes. two, he had two and a half points last week. Eh, that's fine though. He's <laughs> Gronk. He's been doing this forever. Uh, yeah, he's allowed to get to it. He's got Tom Brady throwing the ball. He's fine. You know, tight ends are going to be a little more high variance. Also, he had a really good week one. Here's another question about okay. if we're redrafting right now. Sure, why not? Is Michael Thomas the first receiver off the board? Instead of Antonio Brown? I would not do that. But I, it's, I don't think anyone would do that, really, right? I mean, I know he's had a good two weeks, but Antonio Brown is still the yeah. man. And they're gonna, their, their defense isn't great. They're going to be throwing the ball all season long. Yeah, I agree. But Michael Thomas is probably number two now, right? If you redraft right now? Um, he's definitely ahead right now of DeAndre Hopkins. He's ahead of Julio. He's ahead of Odell. Yeah, I guess he is, isn't he? Yeah, okay. But I wouldn't like it, and I would want to short. I want to short Michael Thomas the rest of the season based on that kind of valuation of him. So this is becoming a fin- financial podcast right now. I so mean, we could bet if you want. I mean, how would we? What would the bet be? I'll take rest of season Michael Thomas. You yeah. pick any receiver besides Antonio Brown. Oh yeah, that's good. Okay, um, I'll come up with someone for okay. sure. I'll probably take like Julio or Odell Beckham. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, or, or almost DeAndre, certainly take or DeAndre one Hopkins. Yeah, right. I'll take one of those guys. Um, Maybe we'll take all those guys. Maybe we'll do individual bets. We'll do them all. You can only get to take one. I only get to take one? Yeah. You don't, okay. Why? Because you got to pick one. I picked one. You said you gave me the whole field. If you think he's going to be better than all those guys, why wouldn't you want to do individual bets? You know bets that's not how it works. I oh, actually, individual bets against each of them. Yeah, I individual do, bets. I could do that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying I, I get four guys and you get one. I'm saying they're individual all right. bets. All right, well, that's, th- that's pretty high variance for me, though, because if he gets hurt. They or, don't have to be expensive bets. Um, and we could do some sort of injury. Rider you're you're a lot more protected in that than I am. I am more protected. That's true. I w- just pick one. That's more fair. Fine. Um, so it's between Odell, Julio, and DeAndre. Pick Give me now. DeAndre. You got DeAndre? I'll take him. I got Michael Thomas. Rest of the season, half point PPR. 20 bucks. Done. Done. Okay. Moving on. I think it's time to move away from our NFL stuff, although we didn't even talk about Vontae Davis. Do we have to talk about Vontae Davis? Well, it, that's not about fantasy football, but no, we should quickly bring it up. because okay, let's do it quick. Really quick. Why? Who's got time constraints? You know, we got to do NBA over-unders. It's gonna oh, yeah, that's gonna, yeah, because we have so much to do later today. It's about the listener's experience. It's not about they ours. Can, if they, they can stop and start again, it's only once a week this podcast comes out. You can just have like a 12-minute everyday little fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Talk about Vontae Davis. Okay, so this is... An historical moment. It's actually an historical moment. I said moment. that. Well, no one could hear you. Go on. I, I did say an historical moment. I said un, but whatever. Un. That's, that's how, that's, it's colloquialism. That's how people speak. Okay. 
I'm afraid the Bears are going to go three and one. Vontae Davis. You're such a dick. Vontae Davis retired at halftime. Now, he's on the Bills, so mm-hmm. that makes people want to retire, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is just incredible. This doesn't happen. People have yeah. retired midseason after games when they just feel like that right. was their last straw. Never at halftime. What could lead somebody to decide to start the game and then retire at halftime rather than finish the game or pretend to be hurt or something? Um, that's the real question to me. Yeah. It's not so much that he's realizes he's done. You know, he's getting beat constantly. His body hurts. He's like, this is horrible. It's not getting better. I'm not good enough anymore. I'm done. Right. Yeah. That realization is completely understandable to me. And I would think you could totally have that at halftime of an NFL game. Also, because he's normally going up against like the Bills receivers in practice. He's like, oh, yeah, I can hang with these guys. But then an actual team, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, never mind. This isn't working at all. Um, but so, so it's the decision to actually quit instead of pretending you're hurt. That's what I don't get. The rest of it I completely get. Like, I don't have a problem with him mentally deciding he's done. I'm just surprised he would do it this way rather than saying like, oh, my leg hurts. And then they just don't play him. And then he's like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. So... What do you think about that? Do you think that's problematic? you think there's anything wrong with that? A lot of it, da- Damian Woody went on some sports show and said he would fight Vontae Davis if he could. He's oh, so angry about because it. Because I'm a moron. Um, so, Just no, saying. I don't think it's problematic. I don't. The only way it's problematic is your team went into the game with 53 active players. Now they have 52 active players for the second half, and you're kind of screwing them over in that way a little bit if you're just deciding you don't want to play anymore. Like, that's... It feels a little bit immature to make that decision that way. But if we're saying you're going to not play anyway, and you're just going to lie about it. I guess you're just being honest. And that seems okay to me. I mean, is, what's worse that or the guy who tore his ACL celebrating a sack, which is, which is a worse sin the guy who tore his ACL celebrating a sack. It happened like two years ago. It was a Raiders player. I forgot his name, but he was celebrating a sack and he tore his ACL because he was jumping around, jumping up and down. It's way worse that Vontae Davis retired at halftime by a mile and a half. Nothing wrong with celebrating. These guys are athletes. They're going to move around a lot because you happen to tear your ACL jumping. Doesn't mean you shouldn't ever jump. The guys are never allowed to jump around or be happy now. I just wanted to bring that up. (laughs) I just just can't believe that happened still. I just wanted to bring that up. It's pretty great. Um, So, no, Vontae Davis retiring at halftime, I actually don't have a problem with. Mm -hmm. One reason is that the Bills are terrible. Like, yeah, they're not going to win anyway. And he's terrible, too. Although he was still starting for them. He's still yep. their best option at corner, apparently. I mean, he was really good like three years ago. So something happened. Yeah. I For me, I guess it would be like if he was physically not in any worse pain than he was to start the game. Like if something happened, and he hurt himself. Then I'm all for him just saying, forget it. You know, like I'm out. And however he wants to do this, fine. But if he's like physically in the same shape he was at the beginning of the game, I think it's pretty lame that he retired at halftime versus waiting until the game's over. But I don't think it matters. I don't think it, I don't care. You know, like I don't have a strong opinion about it. But I think it's a little lame if he feels the same. All right, I have a scenario that makes it make sense. Go. This is a narrative scenario, and you're allowed to chime in. Thank you. It's going to be fun. I appreciate All right. the permission. So, Vontae Davis. No, I don't remember the actual game and how it happened or anything. But let's just, for the sake of the narrative, just just take this as the gospel. Mm-hmm. All right, second quarter. There's four minutes left. Chargers are driving. Phillip Rivers throws the ball. Vontae Davis makes a good good defensive play, stretches out, hits the ball. Third, third and ten. They have to punt. 
Vontae Davis is happy. He goes over to the sideline. He's like, you know what? Maybe we have a chance this year. You know what, coach? I believe in you, even though nobody else does. What's that? Ring, 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 ring. It's Vontae's cell phone. He's not supposed to have it, but he has it. <laughs> He's got it on the sideline. Little yeah, okay. known fact, Vontae Davis back in college was an astronomy major. Cares yeah. very much about the stars. Okay. You know, and I'm kind of getting into that lately. Good. Just good. A tiny, just a tiny. It's good bit. to know. Good to know about the stars. Uh, <laughs> not only the stars, but the the interweavings of the universe and the galaxy and everything that's going on out there. Well, obviously, that's what we mean when we say we're into the stars. Right? Well, Come sure, on. of course. I'm and, saying uh, we now. I'm including myself with Vontae Davis. The reason that he, unlike most college athletes, actually cared and attended his classes is because of his advisor and favorite professor. Yeah. Jonathan Darnifold the fourth. Wow. You took my, you looked right at me, <laughs> took my first name and then took Sam Darnold's yeah. last name and did something weird. Yeah, with Jonathan Darnifold the fourth, his professor who in the, among academe, especially. Academe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Go ahead. Academe is a real word. Okay. You want to bet? Please continue with your uh, story. Among academe, he's considered a bit of a conspiracy theorist because mm. he many times has kind of cried wolf on like the aliens are actually here. Yeah. Like he's cried wolf on that. But, you know, he's he's a strong believer in, in well, there's so many Earth like planets. The statistics just say there has to be alien life somewhere. And, and based on the, the life of the universe and how long it's been around, certainly it's very unlikely that we are the youngest species of, of our intelligence or higher. Um, so Vontae Davis is still in touch with his professor and he's, he hasn't heard from him for a while though. And he looks at his phone and it's, who is it? But Jonathan Darnifold the fourth, he picks it up. He's like, what is it? You know, I'm playing the game. This must be important. And he says, first of all, Vontae, first of all, Vontae, that was a really nice pass deflection. Yeah. Second of all, this is the one for real. They're here. It's uh, it's project alpha. Let's go. Yeah. Initiate the the launch codes because you know what we talked about six years ago back in college. It's happening now. The signs are here. The aliens are here. So wait, I just want to be clear for a second. So you're saying, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is Vonde Davis got a phone call from his old astronomy professor who said the aliens are here. Vonde knows what like what this all means and what the action plan is. Yes, yes. is moving to, to do that action plan. No one else knows yet. It's been a few days. No one else knows that the aliens are here and there's no actual thing that's going on besides those guys. Oh, really? Do you think Vontae maybe had an impact on that? Maybe <laughs> stopped it from being what it could have been, Jonathan? You know what? I didn't consider that, actually. Yeah. I'll admit, I never, never once did I consider that. So, so maybe they like say that, you know what? It's, it might be like the, um, the end of the movie, uh, The Dead Zone in the book, by the way, where um, he like touches Martin Sheen you know, midway through and he's like, oh my God, this guy's going to become president. He's going to, you know, blow up the world. He's going to like start a nuclear war. So I've got to stop him. So he decides he's going to kill Martin Sheen. And he's like doing the, so like the second half of the movie is him planning to assassinate Martin Sheen. He goes through all this stuff and he's like psyched to do it. Cause he's like, thinks about, you know, of course you go back in time and kill Hitler. You would. Yeah. And, uh, and like near the end of the movie, as he's like getting ready to do this, he realizes that he's not going to be remembered as a hero. Everyone's going to think he's just like John Wilkes Booth and just killed like a politician. And, and no one's going to know that he saved the world. But he still does it, of course, because you have to save the world. Of course. It's sort of like that with Monte Davis. Like, no yeah. one knows. But he still, he doesn't have to be covered in glory. No. The his, valor is enough. He didn't, he didn't take the classes so seriously and truly believe mm. in Jonathan Darnifold IV yeah. without really understanding with conviction in his heart that if ever the time came, glory was not part of the plan. 
glory is for suckers. Yeah. Vontae Davis cares about humanity, man. Right. Vontae Davis cares about humanity. So I just got another <laughs> two or three questions. About this. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this action plan, what's involved in it? You know. I don't know. You created the narrative. How do you not know this? I only know part. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they kill some aliens? Was it a fight? Was it a war of some sort? Like a, a covert war? I don't have any more information for you, Jonathan. I'm just giving you a potential narrative. Probably 10% of the time, this is actually what happened. So also, second question. <laughs> so Jonathan Darnifold the fourth, is yeah. that right? Um, so while he was getting this information about the aliens coming and clarifying this and starting to reach out to people, including whatever his team is, including, of course, Vante. Yeah, Vante's the athlete on the team. Sure, that's important to have. Yeah. Um, he was also watching the Bills game at the same time because he complimented the guy. No, he was listening guy. on a, an old ham radio. Well, then how would he feel confident really complimenting, you know, oh, him, oh, come Avante on, give me a on the, break. On He's got tip. a million things on his mind. He's a professor. So he this knows, is just small talk now? You know what? He knows how to manage his team. He knows you start with a compliment, then you give him the problem. Yeah, That's okay. how you do it. It's he the hears, sandwich. He hears the guy on the radio say, and Vontae Davis with a great pass deflection. Right. That's enough, Okay. Okay, you know what? You sold me on that. That's <laughs> totally fair. Okay, that happened. That was great. This is the old days, man. It's like old times. I was trying to bring back the old days a little bit. Yeah, no, a I, little got, bit of the, I got that. The old let the drunk fix it vibe there. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually thinking about trying to do a, like a secret uh, let the grant fix it in this episode. Oh, I was yeah? going to do it, but now we don't have to. You did it anyway. Okay. So we may start to work the worm that in a little bit in the yeah. show because it's too good. It's, it's too fun. good. It's fun. If we, if we can't do that, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. You know, like what we're doing here. But having said all that, we're going to move on. Let's talk some NBA over-unders, Northwest Division edition. Yeah, let's talk about, first, let's just say what teams are in this division. That's a good way to it's start. It's crazy. They're all super interesting teams, and they're all pretty good, at least. We got Denver, Minnesota, OKC, Oklahoma City, yep. Portland, and Utah. Yeah, everyone's good. Like I said, the worst team last year won 46 games. Yeah. That's insanity. And missed the playoffs. Yeah. Because it's tough in the West. It has been. Yeah. It's been tough in the West for like 20 years, by the way. Yeah. Like, it's even a little tougher now. But, like, the West has been burning the East for so long. It's bizarre. Like, the entirety of LeBron's run, the West has been tougher than the East. Now, I know Le Miami was really good for that little bit. But still, overall, the conference has been just that good forever. It's the really The West has strange. been tougher than the East since Michael Jordan retired, right? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, it's like a solid 20 years, yeah. right? Crazy. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't last that long. But I guess it just does. Sometimes that just happens. Yeah. You get a few players. They last for a really long time, and that's it. They're yeah. really good. Tim Duncan lasts for 20 years. All right. So who do you want to start with? Let's start with Denver. Okie dokie. All right. Nugs. The over-under on wins for Denver out of the 82-game season is 47 and a half. I mean, that sounds like a lot. It really does. It sounds like you're asking a lot. Now, they do have Nikola Jokic, He's who is their blue-chip player. They just signed him to his first non-rookie deal. He's making $24 million a year. Totally reasonable to pay that guy that much. He averaged and 11 rebounds, 18.5 points, 6 assists. Now, he is he's 23 a, years old. He's a revolving door on defense, yeah. which is a problem, especially from the center position. That's the position you need the most defense from. Rim protection is super important. Okay, rim protection is important. That's a little different than being a revolving door, though, right? Yeah. Um, although maybe in your mind, I, I can see why you'd think of it that way. Or other people would, too. I know, I'm, uh, but I guess, like... Like, he's bad, like, one-on-one -on -one also. Like, he can't stop anyone. And that's not as big a deal because there aren't that many high-end centers. Although Boogie Cousins did just join the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. But, um, but there aren't that many centers you really have to worry about defending too much anyway, right? So I that mean, part makes him a little bit more the, palatable. The problem being that 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a high-end center. Like, Yusuf Nurkic on the Blazers, who yeah. is not a good offensive player, he eats when he plays the Nuggets yeah. because Jokic can't stop him. Yeah. He can't stop Nurkic. Like, that's bad. I mean, it's one of these weird spots where if you're the Nuggets, you kind of have to sign this guy and pay him everything. Well, he's an offensive dynamo. Right. I mean, he still is one of the better players in the league, and he's 23 years old. He could get a lot better still, like a lot better. Yeah, but his upside on defense is not there because he doesn't have the athleticism. Which means your upside as a teammate, you know, really be have a ceiling on it. Like, you may not be able to win the title with this guy as, as, a, as a premier player for you, right? Yeah, he if, probably has to be the second best player on your team to win the title, right? Because uh, your offense, you mean your offense is just so darn good, it doesn't matter, or, or yeah. you have so, you have so much other talent that yeah, you can afford to have that that big hole on defense. Yeah, something like that. Like you put, I you, mean, the Cavs won with Kevin Love. I mean, you put Kawhi with Jokic, you got a shot at the title. You know, yeah, that's fair. And maybe you also have like other big men. I mean, maybe you build around him in a particular way, so your other big men are all good defensively, so that way you can hide him a little bit. You put him on the worst of the big men. You know, you try and pick your spots with him a little bit. I yeah. don't know, stuff like that. I mean, and I, so he's their superstar, but that feels like a glaring problem for them to get to 47 and a half wins, that they're just not going to be able to stop teams when he's on the floor. Well, that is not crazy. Now, a guy they, who they had last year who's still on the team is Paul Millsap, who's a great defensive player. Making $29 million a year. Yeah. That's, that's a significant cap. But he's hit. really good. He's really good. He's still good. He's old, but he's good. They also have Trey Lyles, who's another good defensive player. Now, the problem, of course, is Paul Millsap is 33. Yeah. And defense goes before offense because it's so based on athleticism. His defense might not really be what it once was. I mean, 33 isn't that old, though. It's not, but he's coming off injuries. I mean, he played most of the season last year, didn't he? I don't think he played most of the season. I think oh, really? he played like 28 games. Oh, well, that's, a, that's not good enough, if that's true. They're, play, they're paying Mason Plumlee $13 million a year, which is way too much. Yeah. And he's basically backing up Jokic, or sometimes they play him next to each other, but it's kind of a disaster to play him next to each other because they're both slow-footed. causes a problem on defense. That was one of those, well, we made this horrible deal. Now we have to justify it by signing this guy to yep. a, to a We gave up a first-round pick and Nurkic for this guy, so they just signed him. He's okay, but yeah. They have a lot of other talented players too, though. And Gary Harris. Gary Harris, that is one of the guys for sure who's yep. like, just a really good two guard, right? Yeah. They also go ahead. That, no, he's good. Oh yeah, they also have Will Barton. Yep, really nice guy to bring off the bench. They've got uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. People are very excited about that dude. Yeah, and they did sign, and this is like the sneaky, quiet signing thing. They signed Isaiah Thomas to a one-year, two million dollar deal. That could be meaningless, or it could be good. It's like the Josh Gordon thing a little bit, not to that degree, but I mean, it was. Just to be clear, a year and a half ago that Isaiah was fifth in the league in MVP voting and averaged 29 points a game. That's true. Now, he can't play defense either. Right. You put him and Jokic <laughs> on the same floor, like you are not stopping anybody. No, that's true. But you're going to score a crazy amount of points. And even if you, I mean, Isaiah's coming off the bench anyway, right? Yeah. So what it means, though, is this team should be able to score if he's, if he's back 100% and they, work, they know how to work with him offensively. Like Brad Stevens really set him up for success. And the Cavs clearly weren't able to do that. Now, yeah. he was also hurt, but the Lakers weren't really able to do it either. Assuming the Nuggets can do that too, they should be able to score really, really highly efficiently at all times instead of just when their starters are out there or something like that. Yeah. They also have Will Barton, who's kind of just like a meh player. I did mention him already, but yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, Sorry. he's that's okay. He's good. Michael Porter Jr., who probably isn't going to play this year, but a pretty interesting pickup in that he was... Uh, yeah. Draft him like 14th. Yeah, and I mean, he, was he, could, like, he could be great for them in the future, but yeah. not really a factor this year. Yeah. Juan Hernan Gomez? I mean, he's, he's like, all right. had some flashes of being pretty good. Yeah. He's like a good bench player. I mean, this team's 
pretty darn good. I don't like 47 and a half, though. That feels high. It feels really high, especially with, like, LeBron's on the Lakers. That's they, not I mean, good. I think a team in the West to, to justify over 47 and a half has to have fewer weaknesses than this team. The defense is a real problem. We're talking about Isaiah as if he's going to be back at 100%. We have no actual reason to believe that, right? Yep. They gave him a $2 million deal. No one else in the league thinks that's going to happen either, right? No. So it seems a little crazy to, to think that. I'm, you know... I said, like, Barton's good and all that, and he's, like, I sort of agree with you. He's more meh. I think Gary Harris is actually a little overrated, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Jamal Murray's going to take the next step forward. If Jamal like, Murray takes a big step, that's, yeah. that's their path to over 47 and a half. I, I agree. I agree. That's the kind of thing it's going to take. Or Trey Lyles takes a big step forward. Yeah. But these are things that aren't going to happen very often. I, I think Jamal think. Murray a lot more frequently yeah. than Trey Lyles. Yeah, for sure. But, most, but I think most of the time, Jamal Murray just gets a little bit better. And it's not enough. And they win, like, 44 games. And they just miss the playoffs again. So I, I'm with you. I, I like the under. All right. We're going under on the Nuggets, 47 and a half. It feels pretty reasonable. It does to me as well. All right. We got um, maybe the most interesting team to talk about here because of current news. Okay. Minnesota. Oh, man. There's a lot to say about the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. Right now. Now, now, books might even be pulling this line because they don't really yeah. know what's going on. I think they probably are. But, but the current on. line is 45. That probably assumes the presence of Jimmy Butler. And Carl Anthony Towns. And Carl Anthony Towns. Both of which are currently in question. Yes, yeah, so explain a little bit about that. So Jimmy Butler has not signed an extension. They offered him a big extension. He is not signing it. And the reason why, according to reports, is that he feels like the team is immature and he basically doesn't like how the team practices, how the team plays. It's, not like, it's basically not good enough, you know? And so I think he's really looking at, like, other situations and thinking, I mean, the Lakers are going to have, like, some free salary cap room and so a lot of other teams. It's and totally reasonable to, if he doesn't like the situation, try to get out because he's yeah. 29. This right. is, like, the last three years of his prime. Yeah. Let's, let's go, you know? There's talk that maybe he would want to try, he and Kyrie might try and both go on the Knicks, which, by the way, would be just a total garbage yeah, show. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but, I don't know, maybe, maybe if... Uh, you know, the big man ends up coming back fully from, from injury and is great. Maybe that could all work out. What's the big man's name? Carl Anthony Towns? That, no, 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 on the Knicks. Oh, on the Knicks, Porzingis. Porzingis, yeah. Um, maybe that could work. But yeah. you need Porzingis to become a superstar for that really to work. And come on. Uh, anyway, so I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't begrudge Jimmy Butler, but I like that, you know, I think they, sh- they should trade him if this isn't going to work out. You know, they got to get something for this guy. Not, it's not because they gave up so much, but he's a legit asset. And their team is kind of screwed if they don't get anything for Jimmy Butler because Alan Andrew Wiggins, excuse me, is a disaster. So far, he is a disaster. And they're paying him like $35 million a year for the next five years. $25 million. Whatever. It's too much. Let's talk about their contracts because the, okay. this team has some of the dumbest contracts in the league. Great. Jimmy Butler at $20 million is great. That's but, fine. But it's just one more year, right? Yeah. Then we got the old Gorgie Dang at $15 million. Yeah, they signed him when everyone was signing deals like that. And he's got another year or two. Yeah. But, I mean, people talk about teams with really bad contracts on the books. I feel like Minnesota is one of those teams. Let's hear some more, yeah. Gorgie Dang at $15 million a year. Taj Gibson at $14 million a year. Taj is at least still pretty good. Four, he's like a $9 million player. I mean, okay, but, you know. Jeff whatever. Teague at $19 million a year. That sounds so bad when you say it. And he's he's around for a while, right? Did they sign him to that deal? They yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a long deal. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins at 25 million years. Well, it starts at 25 now, but by yeah. the end of the deal, it's going to be up in the that's, 30s. That's the big glaring one. That's that's the worst of them because that sort of locks them into this path because no one's going to trade for Wiggins. Those are all pretty bad contracts, though. None of those are good contracts. Yeah. I'll give you that. 
Yeah. Now, that's not what we're talking about here, though. We're talking about the over-under of 45, which I don't know if we can comment on without really knowing what's going to happen. Well, sure we can. You know, we, we just got to assign probabilities. What's going on with the Towns situation, by the way? Well, apparently now, because of the Butler situation, Towns is now reticent to sign his rookie extension, which they're offering him. Yeah. They're offering him, you know, the world. And he's like, you know, I don't know if I just want to be stuck on a team with Andrew Wiggins. Right. That doesn't sound good. He's definitely a max player somewhere. There. Oh, yeah. There's There's... Absolutely a scenario where by February, both Butler and Towns are on different teams. And if like, that's, that's the reasonable, case, if that's the case, the over-under goes from 45 to probably something like 26. I mean, I think you have to take the under just because those yeah. scenarios are possible. Even with everyone playing, 45 is a stretch unless Wiggins gets a lot better. I don't think anybody's actually booking 45 right now. Yeah, like, probably I not. would guess that the books probably pull not. that. Yeah. Um, if you can get it, take the under, bet it right now. Yeah, no, that that's like the best bet in the world. Yeah. Of course, none of this is, you know, actual betting advice, blah, blah, no. blah, all legal things that you're supposed to say. But really, if you, if you have the opportunity, if I had the opportunity, I should say, I would certainly do, take it yeah. under 45. But I got to believe everyone would do that. So that's kind of like a trash fire team. And I mean, Tibbs is apparently just trying to get all his old players back. Yeah. Why is Tibbs in control of this? I don't know. He's not a GM. He's a coach. Seems like a and really bad He's a bad coach idea. that the players don't really like very much, except for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler likes him. Jimmy Butler likes him, but is also like potentially leaving the team. Yeah. So he doesn't like him that much. Yeah. They also, some other notable players besides their bad contracts, they have Tyus Jones, who's not really done nope. anything yet. Nope. Jamal Derek Crawford. Rose. Jamal Crawford is just a roster spot. Um, I don't think Jamal Crawford's even actually going to be. I think he's a free agent yeah. at this point anyway. Luol Dang, they have on like a minimum deal. Well, at least he's cheap. Yeah. But I mean, this is bad. Derek Rose. A horrible. Anthony Tolliver. They re-signed Derek Rose too. I mean. It's only one and a half is, million for Derek Rose. Oh, okay, that's good at least. But he's bad. Like you should be trying to develop a young player or put someone there who's not going to take things off the table. Yeah. They should be giving Tyus Jones those minutes. I agree. They're, so, they're, that, that team is not well thought out, I feel like. If Wiggins ended up being good, then the team would be fine. But he's just not, and they signed him to that huge deal. And that deal is going to kill them for the next five years, I yep. think. They're kind of the Lakers of the Northwest Division, where their, their roster construction is kind of weird. I mean, not anymore for the Lakers, right? The Lakers got a lot of young talent and one guy, who, and with, with still a lot of salary cap space. They're not, they're, they're, they're not the Lakers' roster anything. construction this year is weird. We talked about it on the last podcast. I mean, this year true, but you understand what the Lakers' bigger plans yeah, are, of right? Course, of right. Course. I don't like like two years from now the Lakers could be winning titles potentially. Yes. Maybe even this year. The if they get a trade, you know, one of these deals. But like there's no scenario that I can come up with that the Timberwolves win fifty three games in the next three years right now, unless unless Wiggins gets it together incredibly, which I don't see how that's happening. Or they make some deal for Jimmy Butler, which brings back a big time player. Who would that be? Jalen Brown? I mean, you get Jalen Brown and then he blows up? Like, that isn't going to do it anyway. That's not 53 wins. It's just Jalen Brown and Carl Anthony Towns and nothing else? That's not going to do it? No. They're screwed. They're screwed. And any, I'll take under 40 wins right now. On they're screwed guys. and they're under. Yeah. All right, next team. Oklahoma City. Okay, so they got rid of Carmelo and they kept Paul George. Those were both big wins in my book. Oh, yeah, I mean, everyone, if you had to guess, everyone said it would have been the opposite, right? They yeah. were forced to keep Carmelo and couldn't keep Paul. They George. had one of the most successful off-seasons in the NBA, I would say, just because those two things happened. Yeah. Getting rid of Carmelo Anthony is huge. I think that adds wins to their regular season total to, to remove Carmelo Anthony from that team. I mean, he's, he's really bad. Yeah, so now... <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer. Now they have a pretty clear three players who work well together that 
can be really good when they're all three on the floor. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Steven Adams. Yes. Those guys are all good, especially Westbrook and George. But Adams is is like a top 10 center probably, right? He's, right he's certainly very good. He's you know, a top 60 player in the league yeah. or something like that, top 70 player. I mean, he brings a lot. He, he really helps you. I actually sure. like this team quite a bit. They have um, Nerlens Noel on this team, too. Nerlens Noel. They have Dennis Schrader on this team. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, they have Andre Roberson coming back from injury. Yep. They have Patrick Patterson, who's a reasonable stretch four. Yeah. They have Jeremy Grant, who is okay. a... He's, he's a reasonable... He's really good. Backup. He's reasonable as like a guy to like run out and get you some chips when you're like just feeling yeah. a too tired. They have Corey Brewer, who some, somehow always does something good every year. I don't understand how Corey Brewer... Saw I mean, they have Raymond Felton, too. I mean, we're just going to yeah. name everyone on the roster now? Yeah. I mean, come on. All right. <laughs> All this said, I, I kind of like this team. Their, their number is 48 and a half. All these numbers are so high. I'm, How many wins did they get last year? I don't know the answer to they that. They won 48 games last year. I like the over. I like the under. I think removing Carmelo adds like three wins. I think that it makes the team work together quite well. It's clear that Paul George was convinced that this is the team for him in the long haul. They, yeah. I think they can get a lot more out of Paul George without Carmelo there. I mean, they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, I'm not so convinced that it's going to be as good as you're saying. I don't think Carmelo's absence is worth three wins. Um Paul George didn't thrive last year. He was all right. Yeah, I he agree. Was pretty good. And I don't know that there's going to be a huge amount more for him now, especially with Schroeder there to like do all the bench scoring and stuff. I'm sure George can get some points now when Carmelo would have been in the game and he won't be and Westbrook isn't in the game. But, I, but still, it just feels like it's going to be a lot of watch Westbrook dribble around a lot and take a million shots and then score when Westbrook is on the bench, I guess. And I don't know. I just don't believe in that. I also don't believe in Billy Donovan as a coach. That's fair. So I, I'm taking the under. I just think their their roster construction becomes good once they remove, remove Carmelo. I'm, I'm taking the over. Okay. Oh, I'm over 48 and a half on OKC. Okay, cool. We've got the Utah Jazz coming up next. Coming at you. All right, Utah Jazz. Their line is the highest in the division, which really? is reasonable because they were quite good last year. Mm-hmm. And they, they had a nice playoff performance as well. 49 and a half. Yeah, they're, I mean, Donovan Mitchell makes this team suddenly like... Like, it's very reasonable to think he's going to take another step forward. And then if he does that, this team could easily surpass 50 wins. Donovan Mitchell's comp uh, is a player in his division as Damian Lillard. And if he can if he can reach Damian Lillard level, probably not next year, but he, he'll take a step that way. Yeah. That that makes that team really good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are I mean, he's so much better than expected and immediately. It's it's such a big deal for these guys, right? And they got a lot of other nice players too, of course. I mean, I mean, right now Ricky Rubio is playing for them, and he's a fine player. He's I, you know. They have uh, somehow they still have Ekpe Udo, but we don't need to talk about him. Yeah, let's not talk about him. Um, let's they, talk about Gobert. They drafted Grayson Allen. I don't think I mean, he's going to be a factor. No. Jay won't. Crowder is a very reasonable rotation player. Yes, good even, you can even in a pinch start him, and it's fine. Yeah, same, same. T- you could say the same of uh, Joe Ingles. Yes, I mean Joe Ingles is such a good three point shooter that he. Makes I think that kind of stuff really opens up stuff for uh, Donovan Mitchell, too. He's also a great passer, Joe Ingles is. He facilitates the offense quite well. Hmm. He's a very interesting kind of like point-forward type player. Rudy Gobert, uh, one of, if not the best rim protector in the yeah. league. Although, in the series against the Rockets, Clint Capella looked a lot better than him. It looked like Clint Capella was just owning Rudy Gobert. I mean, I hear that. At the same point, he's got a lot more things to worry about than Clint Capella has to worry about, right? Like... He's got a million things to worry about all the time, Gobert does, because everyone on the on the Rockets can score. So he's, you know, the spacing is going to be all messed up, and that's why Capella keeps getting all these, you know, like breakaway, 
you know, alley-oops and stuff, which just happened, felt constantly. Like, all Capella did was, in the half court even, just catch an alley-oop and dunk it, you know, for like two straight I, yeah, playoff I don't think, series. Did you, did you actually watch all those games? I watched some of them. It was insane how Capella dominated Gobert. Whenever Gobert was on offense, he could do nothing. Capella blocked oh, really? everything he did. Anytime he got really? switched off of Gobert and had to uh, take on a guard, he would completely shut the guard down as well. Hmm. He was, like, clearly better than Gobert. It was That's weird. interesting. Now, that's just one series. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that's the case. Gobert is clearly an elite rim protector. Um, he's, a, he's probably the key to the team, right? Uh, I mean, him and Mitchell, I think, yeah. are the two keys to the team for sure. Imagine if Hayward didn't leave. Yeah, that would be a this great... This team would be really good. Yeah. This team still wouldn't be a title contender, but they'd probably be the third best team in the West easily, right? They also have Dante Axum, who was very disappointing for a while, but, but came, came on, on yeah. and was a, a very above-average defender, which yep. is very... It's, it's rare to find above average, well, it's, there has to be an average somewhere. It's rare to find a <laughs> point guard who is a great defender. And it okay. seems like Exum might be that guy. Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a great defender, obviously. Marcus Smart. Yep. But yeah, I hear you. Yep. Exum has a very high defensive upside. And, okay. And so their defense is maybe the best in the league with him and Gobert on the floor. I'm really upset you haven't mentioned one player. Who's that? Derek Favors, man. Come Derek on. Derek Favors. Yeah, he's a pretty good offensive he's player. He's good. He's a defensive liability. But he's good. He is good. He's like a average starting power forward, right? Probably slightly above average. Yeah. I would say he's above average. Uh, Sports Illustrated did their top 100 players in the NBA, which is just for like this, this coming season. You know, that's it. Uh, and they had him in the top 100. Yeah. So, so he's probably like the 14th to 16th best power forward in the league. You th- yeah, you something like that. You're not, I mean, he's never going to put up huge numbers. He's going to put up like, you know, 14 and 8. But he's going to play. He's going to, you know, work hard. He's going to, you know, set all the picks. And when he has his opportunities, he's going to take them. This is a team that has a lot of other guys who can score anyway. They don't need him to score, you know. He yeah. could score more. Maybe not a lot more, but he could score more. They also have Royce O'Neal, who is, was an old rookie last year and had to play in the playoffs due to injury and was quite impressive, actually. Oh, yeah? I yeah. don't remember that at all. Um, Maybe I didn't watch any of the Jazz play. You might not have. You would like, remember yeah, Capella's dominance. The Capella thing, I don't remember. I remember watching Capella against the Warriors, I guess, and that's, that was what was in my head. Yeah. No, Capella was dominant in the series against the Jazz. I think they only have one bad contract, unless you count Rubio at fifteen million a year as bad. But I mean, that's maybe only. Is slightly. it only for one more year? Do you I, know? I don't know. I don't okay. know the length. Um, I would. It's if it's only for one more year, that's fine. Yeah, um, I think their bad contract is Alec Burks at eleven and a half million a yeah, year. Yeah, that's definitely that's one of those. We have all this money. They barely know? they barely play that guy. Twenty sixteen. Right? Yeah. So what do you think? Forty nine and a half. That Feels team. like an easy over. I agree. Easy over. I think they're going to get like 53, something like that. Yep. I mean, there's a chance Donovan Mitchell just takes a major step forward, too. And it's like, oh, my gosh, he's one of the 10 best players in the league. That is totally reasonable that Mitchell might do that, you know? Yep. And if that happens, they're going to win like 57 games. And people will talk about them like, can they actually beat the Warriors? And the answer will be no. But people will talk about them like that. And, you know, people will start to worry about them as a, as a true contender, um, although they won't really be there yet, is my guess. Yeah. All right, final team. We, we both like the over on Utah? I like the over on Utah. All right, so to recap, we both like over Utah, 49 and a half. We're split on OKC. I like the over at 48 and a half. You like the under. We both like the under Minnesota at 45. We like the under of like 35 on them. Yeah. We, like, we both like the under of Denver at 47 and a half. Mm-hmm. Last team is the place we are, the Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Let's try not to let our home 
you know, environment this, affect things too much. If you're saying possible. this for my sake, of course. Yes, you're a big Blazers fan. I am. The Blazers are my favorite basketball team, even Tell though I'm what, from sorry, Chicago. Tell them what the number is. The number is a disrespectful 42. <laughs> there you go. How many games did they win last year? 49. Yeah, so seven worse. Yep. So tell them, tell them why you think it's disrespectful. Well, why do you think it's disrespectful? Even? Now, this is going to go into what I was going to talk about later, but I'm going to talk about it now. Okay. I think there is historical precedent. Now, of course, in statistics, we need a huge sample size to make anything have any sort of actual statistical value, but we, we go by anecdote because that's what we have here. So what, right. <laughs> I'm looking at you already incredulously, but continue. All right. There is a historical precedent to show that Portland is underrated uh, as a team by analysts and, and by sports books. Uh, of the past five years, I have the data okay. of the, the over-under, the line set, and the actual wins. Okay. Give it to us. 2013, the line was 38 and a half. Mm-hmm. Actual wins, 54. Yep. That was the year when uh, Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge like, surprised the world, basically. I remember that. 2014 was not such a big win for them, but it was pretty good. The line was 49. The actual was 51. Okay. So pretty close, but go on. 2015. This is the year after they lost LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay. The yeah, line, this is another surprise. The line was 26 and a half. Yeah. The actual was 44. Yep. 2016 is the only year they did not meet their line. The line was 46 and a half. The actual was 41. Mm-hmm. 2017, last year, the line was 42 and a half. The actual was 49. Right. So, so just to be clear, so you're saying, based on this, that your, your theory is that the bookmakers are somehow biased against the trailblazers, and they're picking numbers that are lower than they should for some reason that isn't just about analysis? Uh, I, I think that the bookmakers and analysts are not necessarily biased against the trailblazers, but okay. biased against smaller markets. And I think it has proven in the past based on not only these lines, but many other things. For example? For example, there was an analysis done of the past 10 years, uh, playoff games where the Trailblazers were involved and how many referee calls were correct or incorrect based on historical analysis. Mm-hmm. And the Trailblazers had by far the most incorrect calls against them. Okay, what does that have to do with the bookmakers? Uh, nothing. The NBA is just correct. In fact, that would be a reason for the bookmakers yeah. to, bet a, to bet lower. I know, I know. Bring it down. You're right. But, I mean, of the past five years, they've crushed the line. Yeah. They have. They absolutely have. And I, I think that... Another thing that biases bookmakers and everybody else yeah. is the expectation of big offseason splash. And the Blazers didn't do a big offseason splash. But For that sure. doesn't mean they aren't good or that they can't continue to be as good as they were last year or even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a few things probably factor into why the number is as low as it is, right? One of them is that they got swept by the Pelicans, yes, which has got to play into it. That certainly does. I think if they lost in seven to the Pelicans or beat the Pelicans and then got crushed by the Warriors in the next round, they would probably be at like 46 or 45 wins, right, is my guess. Yeah. Um, and so maybe also part of it is that the fact that Stotts was so unable to adjust to the defense that they did against uh, Lillard and McCollum, specifically Lillard, though, where basically he just they got swarmed and didn't know what to do. And maybe there's a concern that maybe everyone's in the, in the NBA is going to defend Lillard like this from now on, and it's going to really cut down his effectiveness. Um, I don't know why that would actually be. You'd think there's a pretty easy counter to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the same point, they did basically make him ineffective for four strike games. It was kind of shocking. That is correct. Um, so there's that. Um, another thing that I would guess is going into this is the West keeps getting better. Like, 
more players come to the West. And so LeBron now, the best player in the world, just left Cleveland and went to LA. So those you know, so LA's gonna win a lot more games than they did before, and those wins have to come from somewhere. And they play the Blazers, I don't know, three times or something, four times. And so they're gonna win more games than they otherwise would have against the Blazers, right? Maybe it's only one game, but like this, and this is not just just for the Blazers, of course, it's gonna be true for for numerous teams, but that's in play. Finally, I would say that it's never actually biased against small markets, and it's never going to be biased against the Blazers, in my opinion. But it could be biased. It could be that they believe there's a bias against small markets from the betters' point of view. Yes, okay. right. Because all they're really trying to do is is capture about the same amount of bets on both sides of the that's, line. That's a better way to think about it. Yeah, and if they think that's the case, like the big market teams, we talked about this last week, like L.A., the numbers are always going to be a little higher because people from L.A., there's just a lot more of them, and they're going to want to bet the over. So there's going to be less people from Portland wanting to bet the over because yep. there's just less people. Right. So they have less fans. It's less of a thing. So that may drive the number down. And that is a good reason to be excited about the over, actually, and to, and to think about the over, I'll say. Um, it's sort of an anti-public thing a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Absolutely. So do you like the under on 42? Let's talk about their team a little bit. Okay, good. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum are one of the best offensive backcourts in the NBA, probably the second best, right? Mm-hmm. What do they rank in terms of defensive backcourts in the NBA? Probably bottom 10. Yeah, probably maybe even bottom five, but go on. Well, Lillard took actually major steps defensively by advanced tax last year. Oh, so yeah? He, he's actually a, a, like a almost average defender now. Nice. So that's it's like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's that. Okay. Um, Lillard and McCollum are, you know, they're just offensively amazing, obviously. They're very good. Uh, you got Yusuf Nurkic at center who has his ups and downs. He's at least pretty good. He's a very good defensive center. Mm-hmm. The Blazers were a top 10 defense last year, mostly because of him. His, right on. his on-off numbers were kind of crazy defensively. Yeah. Those are their major guys. They also have Maurice Harkless, who is inconsistent, but when he's good, he's good. I mean, whatever you said, but almost anyone in the NBA. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not a very important player on this team. I'll, yeah. I would say he is important defensively. Him, him and Al Farouk Amino are both important defensively because they are quick six foot nine guys who switch well. How many minutes a game is Merlis Harkis going to play? I'm going to say 20 to 22. Okay. So, like, he's a rotation player. Like, that's what we're talking about, right? He's I mean, okay. I think he's going to start. Okay. But he's going to play less than yeah. half the game. So, he's a rotation player whether he starts or not, right? They also have Al Farouk Amino. That, I mean, that guy is a legit starter for them. Yeah. He's, like, more important. Uh, yeah, most of the time. And he's good. Yeah. I mean, he's limited, but he's good. They have the probably. Bottom five contract in the league, Evan Turner. Oh, God. $18 million a year. <laughs> so bad. Really bad contract. He barely gets to play, and he's not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they start him because they feel bad for him or something. I don't know. I think the X factor for the Blazers, and I'm not the first person to ever say this, is Zach Collins. His development is key to the Trailblazer success. Uh, he, That'll help. He had a pretty, pretty exciting rookie campaign where he looked like he could really be a player in the league. He's got to put on some weight. He's super skinny. I guess he did put on weight in the offseason, actually. Um, if he can come in and, and be a really good backup center and maybe even take the job from Nurkic eventually, that, that would be key for them, I think. Uh, they have some other contracts that are not ideal, such as Myers Leonard at $10.5 million. I mean, A lot of people have bad contracts. Yeah. So that's fine. Whatever. I mean, medium bad contracts. Not so good. it's basically the same team they had last year. Yeah. You take away uh, Pat Connaughton. And you take away Shabazz Napier. And Whatever. You add, you add Nick Stauskas. And Who cares? Like those, saying, guys, those guys don't matter. It's, it's a wash. Exactly. Like, they're, they're, all just Seth, replace, they had, they're all replacement level. They had NBA Seth Curry players. and Nick Stauskas. They yeah, removed those guys. It's all the same. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Who cares? Um, okay. 
So the Blazers last year had this winning record. And, and sorry, they had a streak where they won how many games in a row? Was it 12? I think it was, no, it was more than that. 16? Something around that. Okay. Yeah. And they ended up winning how many games for the season? 49. 49. So not that this is entirely fair, but if we remove the 16-game winning wow. streak. That's just bad statistical just analysis. Hold on okay. for a second. They are 33 and whatever, right? So without that 16-game winning streak, they're no good, basically, right? Why do they win 16 games in a row? What happened? I don't know. Because before the 16-game winning streak, they had a losing record, right? Uh, yes, they did. So it, like, it isn't like they were good all season and they got a little bit hot, right? They kind of they were below average most of the season and then got super hot and played amazing for Lillard, a short period of time. Lillard went out of his mind and became an MVP candidate during that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's what happened. That, that is fair. He did really look amazing. Yeah. So maybe there's question about if he can sustain something like that and, um, and continue to do that. You know, play play at that level as opposed I, to. I think it's just bad analysis to to remove something because it's a streak. I'm not removing it because it's a streak. I'm asking why the streak happened, and then wondering if, uh, like, it's it is meaningful to say like before the streak, like a significant amount of games they played like 50 games before the streak, right? 60 games before the streak, something like a lot, yeah. and they were they had a losing record. That's a meaningful stretch. Now they ended up having a really good record, and they. Look good until the playoffs, anyway. Um, but so then to wonder, like, what happened in that bit is, I think, at least a useful thing question to ask. Yeah. I'm going to say that, anyway. I'm going to fight for that. I, I mean, I don't know how that changes my analysis of how many wins they could win. I mean, you just mm-hmm. don't bunch the 16 games together. They could still win those 16 games. Yeah, it's possible. Well, the question is, though, like, was something different happening that is not... Like, some, for example, sometimes... Uh, you get a new, and I don't think this happened with the players. You get a new player, and the league isn't sort of ready for them, and they have like a super hot Yogi Ferrell on the on the Mavericks a few yeah. years ago. They have a super hot ten game stretch, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is how you defend this guy," and then that's it. And then they're sort of no good anymore. But those ten games, the Mavericks played way better than they're ever going to play again with him on the team, right? So like a sixteen game win streak out of nowhere from a team that was below five hundred is super weird. And not something you'd really ever expect to happen. And I remember being here when it was happening in Portland, and it was like everyone was out of their mind. It was crazy. By the way, when they finally lost Game 17, it was like at the buzzer against the Rockets. I, we, we went to the yeah. game, and it was even that. They played great, you yeah. know? So it's a little str- – it's just a weird thing. Well, I would argue that it's not something unsustainable because okay. the main reason for the streak, in my opinion, uneducated opinion, though it may be – was Damian Lillard just being bananas, yeah. being the best player in the NBA during that streak, basically. Yeah. And there is not historical evidence of him doing that for 16 games before, but he's always been great, and he's had streaks of being great every year in his career. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly something that could happen again. I don't see how I could responsibly take the under on 42, I will say. I agree with that. It seems like it's just weirdly low. It's disrespectful. I wouldn't call it disrespectful, I'm wondering why it's so low, actually. It almost feels like a sucker's line, which, uh, well, ha- which, which they'll do sometimes. It might be what you were referring to with the bookmakers because yeah. it's a small market. And, and Damian Lillard is a superstar, but he's not like a superstar the same way that Russell Westbrook is, even though I think you and I would both agree you'd rather have Damian Lillard on your team for next year than Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, I guess I would. Yeah, I but would. Westbrook's more of like a personality, and that, that can change betting lines, too. Uh, would you, it, let's say the line was 45 instead of 42. Would you still like the over? I would. That sounds like an accurate line to me, 45. Mm-hmm. It, that would be like a really tough one for me to pick. I would clearly take the under and feel really good about it personally. I would have to take the over. Yeah. 
because you're a fan. That's okay. No, I actually believe. Right, but it's but you notice so far we've done how many teams? We've done like ten teams. Only one is the word disrespect come up. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. That's that's mostly a joke. I understand that, but like, there's very few teams where you've you've been this like so sure of yourself. Let me say, let me put it that way. Right? It is a strangely low number, though. I don't. I was with pretty you. sure on the Clippers under. Like that's I, true. I you were quite sure about that. I agree. You were. So was I. Yeah, and I we're agree. both quite sure about the Minnesota under. Yeah, but that's partially because of all this. All this. We're stuff also both quite sure about the Nuggets under forty-seven and a half. But you're more sure about this than you were about that. Which would you rather bet? The Blazers over or the Nuggets under? Nuggets under. Really? Yeah. I would rather bet the Blazers over. I understand that. That's why you asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> you thought I, you thought you knew what I was going to say that time. No, I'd definitely rather take the Nuggets under because I I'm because honestly, anytime I see a number that feels so far out of bounds and out of whack. It, sometimes it's what we're talking about, which is like trying to take advantage of the public. But other times it's, it's like they know something that we don't know. And like I see this all the time in NFL lines, and I was looking for them actually when we get to our best bets. We'll talk about, a little more about this, which is coming, by the way, very shortly. So as we're done with this Blazer section, um, I often look for, for lines that feel wrong and take the, the side that feels wrong. You know, it's like, ugh, that can't be right. And so then I take the team that feels like they should never be getting this many points. I'm sorry. Sorry. The other team should never be getting this many points. They shouldn't be yeah. favored by this much. So I take the team that shouldn't be favored by this much because it feels like everyone's going to think this. Everyone's going to bet the other way. There must be a reason why they're trying to get people the other way. Bet that on that side of it. So I'm going to bet on this side. Um, so I'm a little concerned about that with the Blazers because it feels weirdly low since they were a playoff game. Team. What, and they won 16 games very famously last year. What could that they possibly me. know about a team that had so little turnover? I don't know. I'll admit, I don't know. I don't have anything for that. They have, the Maybe, same, they have the same coaching staff. It doesn't have to be about the Blazers. It could be about the rest of the league. It could be that they feel like the West is just stronger. Um, and so Seven it, games stronger than last year? I mean, I mean, I don't know how, how many games. How did the Blazers, and I'm really, I have no idea. How many wins did the Blazers have, you know, in the last, were they like one by one point where they, or two points? Did they win some weird percentage okay. of games that way or something? So I listened to the Nate Duncan podcast yeah. about the Blazers outlook. Okay, cool. And, um, he's all about the advanced stats and knows all about this stuff. Yeah. And they slightly outperformed their point differential, but only by two games. So point differential would have had them at 47 wins. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that That's, answers your question. That, it doesn't, but that is, but that is interesting. Yeah. Um, so that tells us something, right? So maybe 49 is slightly inflated, slightly, yeah. Um, no, I was wondering more about like if there's like a uh, like the other teams did especially poorly at the very end of games against them, or if they did especially well at the end of games that aren't really repeatable things. Also, stuff that you wouldn't really you know wouldn't necessarily show up in like win totals or anything, and it just feels very exciting. Oh my God, Lillard did it again, kind of thing. But actually, in most cases, isn't really a repeatable thing. I feel um, like you're scraping and clawing to find it under here. I'm just explaining. I'm just trying to come up with why it might be so low. Yeah. I'm not straping and calling to do anything. I'm trying to justify the line and you're coming up with possible reasons why. I think you're just a big Blazers fan and you take it all very personally. Look at the historical lines. I mean, it's crazy. It's meaningless. It's five years. Come on. It's Come mean, on. It means something. If you could show me small market teams, like teams that are like, whatever, 25th market and, and smaller in the NBA over the last 15 years and show me that it is a consistent trend, I'll, I'll be like, Cool. Five years is, is a not enough of a sample size at all. Two of the years, it was shocking that they did as well as they did. Now, maybe they would have made their over under anyway, but like the time when the year LaMarcus left and they were good anyway, no one saw that coming. No one. Uh, the first year that, of the five years that you did also, like, 
okay, but that was also your, it was like they had been really bad and then suddenly they were good and it came out of nowhere and like, that's cool. But I don't necessarily know that that's the, this disrespect thing. I mean, did you look uh, six years back? I don't actually, no, I didn't. Okay. But I could, I didn't actually mean the disrespect thing. Okay. I I thought that was pretty clear. That was, uh, I thought it was funny, but I don't know. You're so passionate about it and you're getting caught up in this so much. Well, I I do think the line is very low. I mean, you, you agree. Um, I think it's strangely low. So you, we take the over. I would take the over, but I don't feel great about it, but I take the over. You got to feel one way about I it. I snap take the under in 45. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. You're welcome to Grant do that. Grant is not happy right now. He's an angry man. I don't like your disrespect. See, there it is. You're disrespectful. There it is. This, see, this is interesting. When we do the bulls, I have a feeling you're not going to be like this. No, I'm not because I... And I admit that I, I, uh, I don't know. So this is a little side story, but I moved from Chicago to Portland 13 years ago for college, stayed in Portland. And I, uh, I was, a, I'm still a Bears fan. I was a big time Bulls fan. I still am a Bulls fan, but it took me by, by the time that was probably about six or seven years ago, I think I knew in my heart of hearts that I had switched over and become a Blazers fan. Like, I just felt myself rooting more for the Blazers, enjoying the Blazers games more. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that could be that they're an exciting team and the Bulls have not been for a while. That's certainly a factor, potentially. But um, that's not most of it. But though. it took until about two or three years ago for me to outwardly admit that I had switched over, which it feels like a sin, the way the culture displays, like, sports fanhood to ever switch your favorite team. Uh, uh, but, whatever. I, you know, I admit it. I, I switched my favorite team. It, I mean, I think it's fair having lived in a city for a while to do I that. Don't think you, I, don't, I think you should be allowed to switch your favorite team anyway, like yeah. whatever. Um, but I would go so far as to say not just your favorite basketball team, just your favorite team, period. Like the way you talk about the Bears and the way you talk about the Blazers is completely different. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's because, you know, I can walk to the Moda Center from my house, yeah. you know, like it's. So I'm just going to say this and I hope you're not offended. I'm offended already. But there's just a little bit of crazy in you when we talk about the Blazers. And that's okay. And I don't mean like crazy, like you can't see things for what they are, but more like you're just quicker to defend things and quicker to be like, you know, but you know, that's like there's fair. like, there's like a little charge behind it. That's all. That's I think fair. all your points are very reasonable. No, that's reasonable. That's all. And that's kind of how you are with the Patriots when we yeah. mentioned Belichick or Brady's personal decisions in life. Uh, I disagree about that, but I am like that about the Patriots in other ways for sure. Yeah. Like deflate gate's a good example where I like you bring up deflate gate. I will immediately get a little intense about it, you know, <laughs> like for sure. And I remember like back in the day when this was going on and I was like, give me a break. And I outlined like seven reasons why deflate gate was crazy. When you jokingly brought it up for a second and you looked at me, and you said, this is, you sound like a crazy person right now. <laughs> you know? I was like, Oh, Oh, cause no one else really cares. Right. Like I actually act like it really, really matters. You know, yeah. and that was like a little bit of what I heard in this where it's like, like all the other, like we're talking about the Nuggets over under. It's like, hey, you know, blah blah. blah. And this one's like, well, yeah, you know, like, no, I so that's all. That's that's a perfectly valid point. And you know, that's cool. It's just important to recognize that if you're a sports better, I don't mean you, but I mean as the the listener base or whatever, um, you got to be careful of betting on your own team a lot because you're often going to be a little bit more like caught up in things. Oh yeah, and for sure. Make mistakes more often. Some of the best sports bets you can make are not against books, but against people you meet in the city that you're in betting yeah. against the team in that city. Absolutely. When like you meet people in Portland, bet against the Blazers with them. You'll yeah. win over time. Yeah. If you're in New York, bet against the Knicks, you know? Yeah. I it's, think that's reasonable. Yeah. It's a good idea. Anyway, we're, so let's recap. Okay. Over unders. We uh, both like the under Denver 47 and a half. Yes. We both like the under of Minnesota at 45, but that's got caveats. Mm-hmm. We both 
we're split on Oklahoma City. I like the over 48 and a half. Jonathan likes the under. I do. We're both over on Portland. I'm more over, but it doesn't matter. We're both over. Utah, we're both over 49 and a half. So we're pretty similar on this yeah. stuff. Um, okay, that's fair. Yeah. So um, before we get into the actual bets we're going to make, we got to yeah. do Survivor Pool stuff. Yes, we do. Let's talk Survivor. So NFL Survivor Pool, for those of you who haven't listened before or don't know what that is, it's a season-long bet that you make in a pool of players, other people, where you are picking a team each week to win that week, and you can only pick each team once each year. So if you pick the Patriots in week one, you can't pick them again for the rest of the year. Yes. So that's a thing. Yeah. All right. So last week... Uh, we both, although we both encourage everyone to take the Lions in week one, and that didn't work out. No, that I'm did still not. alive in one of my survivor pools, and I took the Saints, and they just barely beat <laughs> that was the a, Browns. Yeah, that's the one that we were arguing, and I was like, I felt really unsure about the Saints, and yep. didn't like that one. But Luckily, it, it, they, it worked out. They snuck by. If you're going to win a survivor pool, there's going to be lots of weeks like that. There's going to be like, you know, at least a third of the weeks are going to be you just barely win, or something Something a little lucky has to happen. You rarely just blow out. You know, you don't have lots of blowouts. Yeah. Um, Although they were they were favored by a touchdown, so that was weird. And you know, maybe like now, two weeks in, we're like, maybe the Browns are a little better than we thought. Maybe the Saints are a little worse than we thought. Anyway, so let's look at some of the candidates this week for Survivor. Okay, there's only a few obvious ones. Anyway, they are the L.A. Rams hosting the L.A. Chargers. Rams are about a seven point favorite. It's pretty good. Yeah. Very few people are on them because Char- everybody's on. Buffalo at Minnesota. Right. Because the, the line is 17 or something, It right? is 17. Uh, Yahoo users, 63% are on Buffalo at Minnesota. So what does that mean, Grant? What do we do? We don't take that one. We never take that one because even though it's rarely going to be an upset, very rarely when the line's 17, it's something like, I, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's, Buffalo's probably like 12% to win the game. Yeah. That means 12% of the time, 63% of your field is knocked out. Or if you have a slightly more savvy is, field, 50% of your field is knocked out. This is how you like way increase your inspe- expected value in survivor pools and why it can be a plus EV endeavor if you know what you're doing because you yes. never take this spot where, where 63% of the field is on the team. Even if the biggest favorite besides that game is just a six-point favorite, you can't take the 63%. I team. think that's right. I yeah. think you just got to avoid it. Um, so here we are. We're just going to avoid it, and let's look at some of the other candidates. So, for, so the Rams are obviously a reasonable candidate. Right, the but problem it's a team we'd like to save if we can. It'd be nice to say, and they do have some nice matchups down the line for sure. They got Arizona, Detroit, Seattle down the line. Those are all really good spots yeah. later. Be nice to have them in our back pocket. Uh, Chicago is going to the Cardinals. Don't love them on the road there. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites, though, so it's not yeah. bad. It's something to keep, up, keep in mind. They do not have a great schedule rest of way. So that's that's nice too. They do host Detroit in week ten. They host the Jets in week eight. That's pretty good. It would be a good time to take Chicago though, because like you're saying, I mean, it's possible that they're much better than than we think, and down the line we'll be like, oh, we, that's a team we would have liked to save. But at this yeah. point, it's like the Cardinals look like garbage, and the Bears' defense is going to rip up that horrible offense. They they're either starting Sam Bradford who doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Or Josh or Rosen. Josh Rosen, who's yeah. never played an NFL game in his life. Yeah, so that's reasonable. They are on the road, which makes it a little bit tougher. It does. Okay, the... How many, what percentage of the field 3. is on? 3.6. Oh, like, everything else is small because so many people 3. are 3.6 is great, though. That part's good. Um, the Houston Texans are hosting the New York Giants. Hmm. They're six-point favorites. 
It's not bad. Houston has a really nice matchup in week six where they're hosting Buffalo, but that's about it. I guess they're hosting Cleveland in week 13 also. Well, no, Cleveland is not the same as it once was. They're hosting Indianapolis in week 14, but that's so far down the line. We can't get too caught up in Cleveland's that. I don't think Cleveland's an easy out anymore, man. Yeah, that's You keep fair. thinking of them. Well, I, said, I said the Colts also. Yeah. Um, but this, is, this may be one of the best match. I mean, Buffalo in week six is really great too, but there's other good week six matchups. So it's not as important. Houston's a reasonable pick. 1.8% of the field is on them. They're at home. Ooh, I like that 1.8%. Don't hit, yeah, I like that too. Um, another, another fair one. Oh, well, we already did Philly. Oh, no, we didn't do Philly. Uh, the Colts are at Philly. It's only six-point favorites. There's going to there's gonna be a bunch of reasonable Philly spots later. Philly 4% just, of people are Philly on it. Philly just lost big to Tampa. They did. They did. Wentz is coming back. Yeah, but you might you probably don't want to play your first Wentz game back yeah. if you can avoid it. I think we should shell Philly. So so far it's like Chicago and Houston are the two obvious ones. Yeah. Um, okay. Tennessee is at Jacksonville. So the Jags coming off their big win yeah. are seven point favorites against Tennessee. Let's see what their rest of the schedule looks like. It's not bad. They're gonna host Washington in week fifteen. They're gonna host the Colts in week thirteen. They go to Buffalo in week twelve, which you could live with if you had to. They got the Jets next week. They're hosting. They're gonna be like nine and a half point favorites against the Jets. They're all pretty good. Seven and a half percent of people are in Jacksonville. That's higher than these other things, but it's still small enough that it's like fine. Right, like but I want, think. But I think when if if all is said and put together, like there's four times as many people on them as there are on Houston. That should be a big factor. It's not as big a factor, though. Like, what you're really looking for is just to avoid the... Th- you want to just avoid the team where a big swath of people can just get knocked out. 7% of the field is not a huge percentage of the field. You're looking for, like, 20% plus, really. I mean, if everything's the same, I agree with you. If, if all other factors are equal. But, yeah. but it shouldn't be a huge part of our decision. I don't think once you're below 7... Once you're below, like, 8 9% or something like that, in my opinion. But, you know, I guess reasonable minds could differ. There's only a few other possibilities. San Francisco's at the Chiefs. Chiefs have Arizona in week 10, and that's kind of it. They host Oakland in week 17, but who knows? That may not even be a game where they're, they may be resting Mahomes for all San we know. San Francisco's kind of a scary team, though. I feel like they could win. They, of course they could. I mean, all these games are not huge. The only really big favorite is uh, Minnesota. All these other ones are like minus 200, which means one out of three times we're going to lose. Yeah. So we have to understand that going in. Like, we lose a lot this week. Like, you're looking more for 10-point favorites. You just We just don't have them. Yeah, we just can't take the Vikings. I mean, we could decide to burn Minnesota right now, but instead what we could do is save Minnesota. That means later, when they're also big favorite, like in week six, they're going to be two touchdown favorites against Arizona. Most of the people won't even have them anymore. Yeah, we don't want to fall into the trap of the namesake of the game being what we're doing entirely, surviving. We, we want to win, right? Right, exactly. So, surviving is obviously how you win, but it's important to keep those teams for later and not be on the teams where 63% of the field can get eliminated. It's just, you just got to give those 63% of, of the field a chance to go out. You just have to do it. Yeah. You can eliminate 60. I mean, wow. You're, you're tripling your buy-in value just from whatever it is right now to that. Yeah. Like that's unbelievable. You I think I like the Texans. It. I think the Texans are probably my favorite one too. They're hosting the Giants. They're only six point favorites, which is a little titchy. I don't hate Jacksonville either. What was your issue with Jacksonville again? Remind me. Um, that we wanted to maybe save them. I thought that was the majority of the issue. Oh, um, they have some reasonable ones, but not huge. Their best spot is probably next week, which is the Jets, where they're nine and a half point favorites. There's a lot of other really good games next week, by the way. Although they're they're big teams. Jacksonville so. might be the best team in the league. It's possible. Maybe. Another nice thing about playing Tennessee is like Mariota hasn't been playing, so even if yeah. he comes, like this may be kind of an easy win and not not so bad to book a 
book a free I mean, I'm one. Fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Houston, and I'm yeah. fine with Chicago. I think those are all fine. I think because Chicago's on the road, I would want to lean towards Houston or Jacksonville. Okay. But I, I agree with you. I like Houston a lot here against the Giants. And like we were saying, they don't have that much good stuff either left. Chicago is sort of the worst schedule left. So that's the one reason to use Chicago. But I'd rather have them at home, man. Teams just play so much better at home for whatever reason. All right, here's Super the question weird. that I think we should ask ourselves okay. for picking between these three teams. Go. Which is the worst team? So it's Houston, Chicago, and Jacksonville. It's clearly between Houston and Chicago. Of course. Jacksonville's the best team. Yeah. We can say that pretty clearly. I don't know. I mean, I could make up things either way, right? I guess Chicago's the worst team because Houston's got a slightly better... Oh, Houston has more upside on offense significantly, and they're both really good defensively. But you could, if you made the case the other way, I, would, I wouldn't feel you're wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think Chicago is the worst team. Okay. I, that, so I think we should take them. Oh, okay. Because... Because there won't be as many future opportunities to take Chicago. Houston might have more future opportunities. It's reasonable. They might be more matchup proof in, okay. in a pinch, you know? It's not crazy. Um, since we actually don't have a survivor pool, we don't even have to like pick yeah. one, right? Um, guys, as you're thinking about this yourself, these are the teams though to be thinking about. But really. do you have a survivor pool, though? I do. I do. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm not ready to commit to... I really hate taking teams on the road if I don't have to. just feel like it just... It's so often a brutal spot. It ends up being brutal. So if I can get a team on the road, I usually want it to be double-digit double digit, um, favorites. So anyway, that I mean that may just be like a I mean of course the, the amount that their favorite exactly. factors that in. Right, it does. But still I worry. <laughs> still I worry. Um, so that may be irrational, but I think I'm probably leaning towards Houston personally for my own survivor pool. Okay. All right. Um, hey, let's do our best bets for the week. Okay. I only have one. I have one and a half. Great. Yeah. Why don't you start? All right. It's going to be hard to convince you on this one, I think. Okay. It's uh, Bills plus 1050 against the Vikings. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. Bills plus 1050. This assumes that the Bills are going to win 9% of the time. Now, they're in Minnesota. Yep. Okay. So, of course, things have to happen weirdly for them to win. But A lot of weird stuff is going to have to happen. A Kirk Cousins injury gets you partway there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go on. Uh, you know, maybe Josh Allen just need, needed a week under his belt, and he's, he can actually be all right. You know? Sure. Okay, let's assume somewhat barely competent quarterback play. No, the, the Bills are terrible, but I just like that's such a huge line, plus 1050. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins, how often do you think Kirk Cousins gets injured in this game? Like, what percentage of the time does he get injured? It's not that far off 9%. Um, right, yeah. right. But they still win a bunch of the time even when he gets injured, though, right? Yes. Because they still have the better defense and the better offense, even yes. when he gets hurt. Yes, that is That's correct. That's the problem. Like, if, if you started with who... I don't know who the backup is anymore in uh, Minnesota because they got rid of all their three quarterbacks, yeah. right? I don't think it's anybody notable. No. Um, but whomever it is, they're still a pretty significant favorite. They're not this big a favorite, but they're, like, if the game's starting, it's the backup quarterback. Instead, they're probably a six-point favorite or something yeah. anyway, right? Maybe more. I don't know. Depends on who the person is. Maybe. So we need so nine percent of the time he gets hurt, and then they're only a six point favorite. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like it's really hard for a team to be this much of a favorite and for it to be true. <laughs> just like, see, I feel like this is a better. If you were, if you wanted to bet Bills versus Vikings, this is where the point spread is worth is so much better than the money line. Personally, yeah. like, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Because like about half the time they're going to cover the spread, 
and only yeah. about 9% of the time or 8%, of the time, it's, probably a little less. Well, it's so much better, but, you, but that's because the price. you get paid a lot less. Right. I mean, this would be the biggest upset in the NFL maybe all season if this happened. Yes. That's correct. It's hard for... I got to tell you, you're right. It's tough to convince me to take a really big favorite I mean, on the, the Vikings road. didn't look as good as we expected them to last week. That is true. They barely eked out a tie against the hobbled Packers. That's absolutely with true. With both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams playing hurt. You know who else didn't look good last week? I'm going to guess... Not the Buffalo Devontae Bills. Devontae Davis and the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they lost they, their starting corner. They they retired their cancer. <laughs> now they're safe to play how they want to play. Um, oh, man, I don't know. I feel like that's a really tough one for me to get behind. They only have to win 9% of the time. Yeah, that's a lot for this situation. You want to take Vikings minus 1,400 because that's the other side. We'll see, but notice how those are not the same percentages, yeah. right? Like, that's the thing, like... So the so Pinnacle or whomever you're getting this from thinks like it's they win less than nine percent but more than like seven they, it's like eight percent is the right number you know what I mean and they're like we make money giving you the nine percent line sure. um, now of course that's true for all these lines right they think now, they're I, trying to make money on to all be them. fair both when we were looking at the lines this week we felt like there weren't any like yeah exploitable lines this is really. a really tough week yeah so we're just we're we're reaching out we're yeah. reaching for things that's that's true well let, let's let let's go over our other two and we'll see where we and then we'll bat them around okay okay. I'm I mean, definitely plus not convinced. 10, 50, plus ten fifty. I understand. Look at all the money we could swim plus in 17. the money. Plus seventeen. We swim in the money. We could just. We could just. You know. Don't you want to swim in the money? I do. Yeah. I love swimming in money. Think about how fun it would be to watch that game. Now let's let's also take into account how much more fun we can have watching the Bills play the Vikings. <laughs> if if the game is at all close and we have a hundred dollars on plus course, 1050. Of course. I mean, look, I've been in much, many, many spots, as you know, where like yeah. there's been like a lot of money riding on it's an outcome. It's not going to be really nearly fun. the same if we are, just, we stand to make like $103 or whatever it is. If we bet the spread, it'll still be pretty good because we'll actually be in action a lot more of the time. And we'll That's, still believe me. I'll still care. I care about everything. Yeah. But you'll care 10 times as much. If, if eh, this, it doesn't really work that way. It should. Yeah. Sadly, it doesn't. Um, anyway, so let me, let me propose mine. Okay. Okay, so the Patriots are going to Detroit. So hold on, before we talk about yours, okay. you're the guy who's 0 for 3, right? Mm-hmm. Cool, all right. I am currently 0 for 3, that's true. Um, I did also encourage us, although you, you shot me down on this one, take the Jets to win the AFC East at 16.5 to 1, and they're currently uh, in second place in the AFC East right now. I still wouldn't take that. Obviously, you're going to need a Brady injury anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. Oh, also, by the way, the Dolphins look a lot better than we expected. It's very early for the fucking Dolphins, though. Come on. You forgot for a second that we could swear. And I then did. And I was like, like is this okay? King. Um, so anyway, so Patriots at Detroit. The line is minus seven. I like Detroit in the points. Wow. Why? There's a real, real face you just You're made You're going to have to tell me why. Um, because no one would want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no one in their right mind would want to take Detroit in the points. The Patriots just got beaten pretty soundly at Jacksonville. They're going to be looking to have revenge. They just picked up Josh Gordon. The lions look horrible, although they only lost actually by three to yeah. at San Francisco, but still the perceptions of the lions are awful right now. And that there's a little bit of mutiny things going in the locker room. Stafford looks terrible, man. That feels like a, this line feels like a total setup. You're supposed to take the Patriots. So I feel like give me the, give me the lions plus seven. They're at home. That helps. It does help. 
I don't know. The Patriots are good. Uh, we think they're good. Yes, yeah, they seem. To I'm be pretty good. sure they're good. Yeah, I mean Jacksonville is just a very good team, and they're going to cause offenses big problems all year. I mean, the Patriots played pretty badly offensively against them anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Lions are a pretty good defensive team, right? They are lost they? Slay, though, didn't they? Yeah, he's concussed. Oh, just concussed? Okay, so maybe he'll be back. He might be back. They're okay defensively. I don't think they're good. The good news about this line, too, is we chop at seven. So, like, we lose by a touchdown, we still get to chop, which I like. You know, six and a half feels way worse than seven in this, uh, in this spot. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game, which lends itself to being more than a touchdown mm. victory most of the time. Could be true. Could be true. I like the Lions. I'll tell you what. But you don't have to like them. I'm not, I'm not on board with that one. Do you want to make a bet where you take the Patriots uh, minus seven, I take the Lions plus seven? You could just do a personal bet. That's not the point of this podcast. I don't like either that much. Okay. So I don't... I mean, this was the problem with these lines this yeah. week. I looked at everything and I was like, yeah, nothing stands out to me. I don't really like any side of anything. So why not go with the exciting Bills plus 1050 then? Because I think that's not going to work out in our favor. I think we're, we'll be lighting money on fire as, as we I say. I mean, we're going to lose most of the time, but we're expected to. Yeah. That's not the question though. <laughs> that's not the reason to bet. Is No, I know. The reason to bet is because we think by betting, we think we're making money. And I don't believe we're making money by betting. I don't believe we're making money by betting the Lions line. Yeah, you made that clear. Yeah. But we're not talking about that line anymore. We're talking about, you're asking me, why why don't I want to do the Bills line? I'm explaining it to you. Because you're track switching. Because you hate joy. You're you're track switching. You just hate joy. You can bet on it personally, but I can't get behind it. You've you've been unconvinced by all of my bets, and they've all been right so far. Um, That is not true. That is absolutely untrue. Okay. The Detroit Lions, under a seven and a half, I was completely convinced on, and it's right. Okay. By the way, you say all your bets, you had two other ones, right? One other one or two other ones? One other one. One other one. One other one. <laughs> and it was good. And it would have won. Yes, congratulations. And it was you Bills. flipped a coin. You flipped a coin, called tails, and it came up tails. Well done. It was well Bills related, by the way. So I'm a Bills expert. It was against the I have the, the Bills. inside the info whole... on the Vontae Davis retirement. I know the whole narrative. Which, I that was impressive. Everything. The whole point is you were saying the Bills are so unbelievably bad. Yeah. You got to take the Chargers giving the points. And now you want to go the now you want to take the Bills to win in Minnesota. Yeah. It sounds crazy Plus to me. Plus 1050. <laughs> Sounds a little. Or how about I talk about my other bet? Great. Which you, I you've already expressed are not super interested in, but I want to take the over on the Blazers for the season. I think that's interesting. I was actually thinking, what was the one we both? There was one we both liked the over on, or from there was another NBA over under. I was actually thinking was pretty interesting that we took what the Clippers under or the Nuggets under. Maybe it was the Nuggets under or the Jazz over. The Jazz was, what, 49 and a half? Yeah. Kind of like that a lot. But the Blazers is not bad either. The Blazers feels like wrong. 42, man. It feels wrong. I'll say that. Let me convince you on one of these things. Yeah. I mean, you've been convinced on the Blazers that you, if, if forced, you would bet the over on Yes, them. that's true. You just don't like it as much as I do. I just think I, like, I might like the Utah over more. It's harder. It's a lot harder to get the 50 wins. I mean, not if you have more talent. I mean, it's not hard for the Golden State Warriors to get the 50 wins, no, right? No, they, they can do it pretty so, easy. So, like, it just depends on how good your team is, and yeah. I think Utah's pretty good. Yeah, I don't think I, – I, I like the Blazers line better. And I know you're not supposed to bet on the team that you like, but – I mean, you it, can bet on the team that you like, but it's often going to be done from the wrong, for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying you're doing it for the wrong reasons at all. I'm really not but often it will be. 
I guess we should ask ourselves, of the lines that we've spoken of in the NBA yeah. so far, what is our favorite? If we're going to bet on a, a season-long bet, I think mine might be mm. Clip, Clippers under 35 and a half. God, that does sound amazing. I think it's 36 and a half now, too. I think. 36 and a half? I think. That sounds crazy good. How about if we do that? Let's do that. All right, I'm so in. We're betting Clippers under 36 and a half for okay. the year. Great. So that's booked. We're doing that. Assuming that line is still actually available, even if it's 35 and a half, yeah. I'm in. All right. I feel like they're going to win a lot less games than that. All right. So that's at least one bet we're making this week for yes. sure. Yes. Assuming that we can get it. Yeah. Assuming it's available, assuming we can get it. These things should be very doable, though. Right. Great. And I don't think we've convinced each other on any of the other bets. I don't think so either. Like, I don't think so. Like, I cannot, I cannot, you know, say, yes, let's bet the long shot and the money line. Like, I just okay. can't do it. Um, you could convince me plus 17 much more so than you convince me the other thing, you know? Yeah, I don't love that bet. I understand. Yeah. Um, and for me, yeah, the, the Lions plus seven feels like uh, go against your belly bet, which is... Uh, I think what you're supposed to do in the NFL once, maybe this is a little early for it, honestly, but like after about week five, I feel like the best way to make money in the NFL is just to bet against your belly. And I'll explain what that means more as we go through. Like I'll give examples as we go through the season. All right. So we're we just doing the one bet. We're we also doing blazers over. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really reticent to do it because of the fan aspect of it. And I just worry that, but you're not I, even really a fan of the Blazers. Maybe they're, you like them, but you don't... I will admit, it feels too low to me. It yeah. feels weirdly low. It really does. Why is it low? I got to understand, why are they making it low? I don't get it. I get why the Clippers is too high, because it's an L.A. team. It could could be the opposite. Could it really be that, though? Why not? Why would because, it work one way and not the other? Because what happens is one way is, if you're, if you're an L.A. Clipper fan, and there's, there's millions of them, they're like, I'm always, you know, they're just always going to bet the over on the Clippers automatically. But then sports bettors will look and find um, NBA spots. So if the Blazers 42 is too low, the professional money is going to come in on that hardcore. So that could be, that should be brought up. But the, um, the other way, it doesn't have to be, but so it doesn't have to be, they aren't necessarily balanced in that way is what I'm saying. Okay. So that's my concern. Like, I don't understand what's might going get, on it there. It might get brought up. It's still it's true. pretty far away from the opening of the season. That's true. So That's actually it might really be good a point. great time to get that line. That's true too, and you know we could throw some stuff out there. I mean, like if the Timberwolves have to trade Jimmy Butler and or Carl Anthony Towns, that weakens them, yeah, and that helps the Blazers a little bit. They get to play, like maybe they get an extra win out of that than they otherwise would get. Yeah, That's possible. If this LeBron, is true for all the teams. If LeBron teams, James goes into a coma. <laughs> for one reason or another, that's great. You know, really, if every team that the Blazers play all season long get into big bad plane accidents and die, it's like in a live situation. You know, yeah, and, the Blazers uh, are going to win a lot of games. They're going to be eighty-two and zero, and we're going to win that one easily. Yeah, you know, we have time before the beginning of the season, so I'm not ready to bet on the Blazers yet. But I might be talking. But we to might by not the have time season. before the line moves. I mean, based on your logic, that's true. That's true. You can bet it. I'm not ready to bet it. All right. I need a little more time. We'll take the Clippers under, though. All right. Done. All right. That's the only official bet we're making this week. That's all we got this week. Some some weeks you just don't have much. The NFL feels like just nothing feels sexy. Really not sexy. Yeah. That's cool. Anything else to say? No. Hopefully, on this podcast named Lighting Money on Fire, we we win a bet or two. (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But the, the thing is, the bets that we have going on right now, all of the active bets are season-long bets. I know. So it's going to be a while before we know. I know. 
I mean, we could also do this differently where we're actually taking every, we pick every NFL game instead of just like, you know, one or two, or, we've, or, we, or we're forced to pick five games each. Like we have to, and we don't have to bet on all of them actually, but we're like keeping track of how our top five games do each week. That's a good idea. We should start doing that next week. Or we week. can start doing that next so week. So we can see like, so it's, that could be like a competition like you were talking about us doing where, so we see who's like the better NFL predictor. And even if you're not, everyone as actually ends up being a hundred dollar bet. Okay, well, this is an actual $100 bet. We're going yep. under, under 36 and a half on the Clippers. Yep, or 35 and a half. Whatever we'll it is. We'll take that, too. Under zero. Great. All right, we're done. We're done.